Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special half-gen podcast, because it's not Ooh. a half-gen podcast. Oh. Were you saying whoa because of something else or because of the, the, the level of whoa in this podcast? No, I'm just going, oh. I've so okay, I've I'm just so many theories and so many things that I've accumulated over just, everything. Oh man, I kind of almost wish you didn't look that stuff up yet cuz like I wanted to theorize with you. Anyway, this is a spoiler cast for Final Fantasy 7 remake. So if the if the title wasn't hint enough and if me telling you that we're going to spoil this game isn't hint enough, let me just spell Ross spell it out clearly for them. Complete spoilers for Final Fantasy 7 remake. And probably spoilers for Final Fantasy VII for PlayStation 1. Nothing here is sacred. No. Nothing. Everything is up for grabs. Oh, man. What a fucking This game, game it's, it surprised me. It surprised me. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, people know... if they, People should know your history with Final Fantasy VII by now. Final Fantasy VII is my favorite single-player game of all time. Yes. Yes, I have to. I have to specify that now because I have become so heavily invested in Destiny Two that I have to kind of split it now. Where no, I'm like, okay, only, well, that's you, my you favorite can only have online one game. Favorite game of all time. One ultimate favorite. Final Fantasy Seven okay. remake might be my favorite game of all time. Oh, there you go. Um, I, I fucking love. Yeah, it. just so you guys get a <laughs> kind of a background of where our histories lie with the original game. Uh, Chris played it back in the day his favorite game of all time obviously yep um i played it uh several how many years ago was it now i can't remember maybe like 2017 something like sounds right we we i could check hold on because i don't think i played it since then it was when you were in east windsor because it it was still yeah it was still the the first place i visited it was older than that 2015 yeah 2015 almost six years ago yeah it was january yep um, so that's the first time that I had played through Final Fantasy VII, the original version, obviously. Um, and I liked it. Um, I, I wasn't head over heels for it, but I really liked it. Um, and, and yeah, the, and some things still hold true on the final trek to Sephiroth in the, in the original, uh, game glitched or froze and I became upset. And then Chris got me back to the point, and then I finished the game. Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. Remake, a very similar thing happened. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. So, uh, we're, I mean, we're just jumping in wherever, I guess. Um, full spoilers. Um, when, you're, when you're in the singularity, and um, the, the three... Uh, like, Rubrum, whatever, the three different colored, like, specters are you fight several times... Oh, the, um, yeah, they have a name. I'm blanking on the um, name. Um, yeah, hold on. It's on the soundtrack. Actually. I don't remember their individual names, but what they're called. Uh, yeah, I have, no, no, uh, Rubrum. Arbiters of Fate. Yeah, Rubrum, Veridi, and I forgot the third one. Um, yeah, but they're Arbiters, uh, Arbiter of Fate yeah. is like, I think the big guy. Yeah. And they're yeah. like the little Arbiters. Yeah, so I had beaten them a couple times, and I got to the part where they fused into, like, Bahamut. Um, mm-hmm. and I beat him and then as they split apart and reformed into their own versions, I think that was at the exact same time my Ifrit summon was trying to leave. And so basically the cutscene of them splitting happened 
and then nothing else happened. The game, like, things were still, like, it wasn't frozen, but all the characters were standing still, all the enemies were standing still, I couldn't move anything, and I had to hard reset the game. <laughs> so you had, like, a trigger break. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. a similar thing. History repeats itself. <laughs> uh, well, it wouldn't be the ending of Final Fantasy VII if it wasn't consistent, yep. you know? Yep, but, um, but yeah, so that's that's my history. I've, I've beaten a lot of other games in the series, and, and like all of them, pretty much, to varying degrees. But um, Remake really surprised me um, as to how much I enjoyed it. I was telling Chris that, for me, it would have competed in 2018 for my personal Game of the Year with God of War. And it would have won my game of the year last year outright. Um, oh, yeah. So if this game releases in 2019. There's no contest. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. And it's it's what did win last year? The site wide game of the year. Um, was it Fire Emblem? It might have been Fire Emblem. Yeah. It, oh. Fire, which I think was like number five on my list. Slay the Spire was my game of the year last year. Um, now I got to know. <laughs> I know. Um, keep going yeah but yeah it's it, it gets off for me it got off to a, a pretty slow start the bombing mission was great as as always once you got to sector seven uh the slums chapter three um it definitely hit a bump for me which continued into chapter four as well and i kind of fell off the game for a couple months um and then eventually got back in in a concerted chris and i made a deal let's we made a deal um i had not beaten final fantasy 7 remake and everyone knows that's going to come up in our end of the year game of the year uh award categories he had not played the last of us part two which is going to come up in our end of the year game of the year categories for what it's worth for what it's worth continue to tell the story as you plan to say it. I'm just going to stress, I had every intention of playing The Last of Us Part Two. I had zero faith in him finishing Final Fantasy VII Remake. Please continue. And yeah, so I beat Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> and now, I'm, I'm, now the, as I texted Chris once I finished the game, the ball is in his court. Um, yes, the ball is in my court, and I will hold up my end of the bargain. But hey, I will use every chip in my fucking hand to, to get what I want, and I wanted you to finish this game, and it was worth it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Um, so Yo, like, just from the beginning, man. Yeah. And, like, I gotta tell you, you know, like, you, I, I, we were together watching E3 when they announced this remake, and I shed tears. Yep. I shed tears. And there's not a lot of games that could come out that, that get me... To, to shed tears. I'm an emotional guy. As I get older, I find I'm more emotional than ever. Um, but Final Fantasy VII Remake shed a tear for that when they, when they announced it. And I remember later that year at the PlayStation Experience when they showed the gameplay, I did it again. And I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. But it wasn't until... I got to that splash screen, the slow pan, the music swelling, the pull-out camera from Aerith as it just highlights the Shinra building, and the BAM! Final Fantasy VII logo comes up, and it just hit me, man. That's when it was real, and I was just like, oh my god, I'm playing this. 
Yeah. I'm I am playing this game. Oh my god, that is just such a scene, dude. Like it was it's it's still good in the original, but now just forget about it. Yeah, and God, well, it's so good. One of the most surprising things about the game for me was that the the voice acting and voice direction was the most natural I feel any Square Enix game has been ever. <laughs> like it, yeah, it, I still... it, it didn't like there were definitely times where there was a little bit of the there's some weird pauses in between talking or some, just a lot of like huh oh, oh. yeah it's the it's the uh, but but it, oh. it was way less you know. than I was expecting and the dialogue and the voice acting. Like I can't think of a bad performance in the game. Um, there are there are some that stand above the rest, obviously, but like the fact that there, I can't think of one bad voice performance. Who's your favorite? Purely voice performance. Don Corneo. Who's your favorite? You think so? He's up there. He, that guy. He is good. That guy like sold <laughs> sold that role that's, so uh, much. That's uh, that's Fred Tassator, I think you say it. Is Baird? Oh yeah. He did. Yeah. He did a great job. Um, but, yeah, he really but in, he he really sold out for that. It was great. But but yeah. But in terms of <laughs> in terms of the main cast, I think um, I think they were all good. I think uh, Barrett was surprisingly good, which I found out is the same voice actor who does the voice of Jet from Cowboy Bebop, which is awesome. Um, and I think. Both of the girls are great too, and I think and I think the guy who does Cloud is is good too. Especially you mentioned it was his first voice acting gig. It was his first like first big, big one voice right, acting role, right? Like he had done some small stuff, but like he had never done anything in like the AAA space, you know. And so to to kind of come in there and like when they first showed the game, when they first showed the gameplay and they dubbed it for that PlayStation Experience trailer, um. That was with the Advent Children cast. Mm-hmm. And I was happy about that because I was familiar with them. And then when they changed the voice acting, when they re-revealed the game after they kind of said, hey, we're take- we're bringing this in-house, which ultimately I think was the right move. Mm-hmm. Granted, I-, I-, I only have the retrospect of what they released, but they- you know, I don't know how they could have done any better anywhere else. Um, but when they re-revealed it and they showed some of those new voices, I was like, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about this, but I, I think the real thing that sold it for me was Tifa and hearing Tifa talk mm-hmm. yeah, in that great. trailer when they first revealed her at E3 2019. She's great. And like the Tifa in Advent Children is it great. And a lot of that is just because of how they have to act because they're working around the dub. Mm-hmm. And I think they all suffered for that a little bit. Um. Again, I think Barrett was probably the best best voice actor back in that one. Uh, but like, because Barrett, like when he got to animate, like he was really good. Um, but man, I like my the voice actors are the 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 talent is just phenomenal. And I was so worried when this remake was coming. My biggest fear was that they were going to run with the Advent Children personalities and just be like, all right, so here comes hyper-depressive Cloud Mm. and, you know, over-the-top, stupidly arrogant Barrett and stuff like that, and they didn't. Yeah. and They they just let these characters be people. They didn't define them with, like, oh, 
all of them have this one specific personality trait because, you know, now it's not just text on the screen. They don't have to just act a certain way so that, you know, oh, that's Aerith talking through this text. They let the actors kind of just have their way with them. And it, it just, it sounds more natural. They sound like people and they, it, it's, it's the best. Yeah. And, and I was curious because as we mentioned, uh, the voice actor for, for, uh, for cloud Cody Christian, it was his first kind of big, big role. Um, and then, Wait, hold on one sec. Nope, I think... Oh, hold on. I might have gotten the Barrett, Barrett voice actor. I might have accidentally gotten the... No, I was right. Um, so, hold on. Did I get that? Ignore what I said about him being the Cowboy Bebop guy. I could be completely wrong. That might have been potentially Advent Children's Barrett. Whatever. Oh, that could have been the old uh, Barrett. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, but I was looking up the, the voice acting, like... Uh, list of works for the two main female leads. And honestly, it's kind of their first big ones, too. Um, they really kind of dug for, like, yeah. they, they dug for some unknown talents so, for this one. So, uh, Brianna White was Aerith, and and she had done a couple of TV episodes, and I think this was her first voice acting that's how Nolan North got started. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> this is, like, a breakout actor for Aerith. And then Britt Barron, who played Tifa, her kind of biggest voiceover roles, she played Linda in Halo 5, um, as well as Linda in the Fall of Reach, Halo Fall of Reach miniseries, animated miniseries, and she played Ada 1 in Destiny 2. Oh my god! And the gears have clicked. Oh my god! (laughs) How did I never hear that? You know what else I realized the other day? Mm. And I don't realize how good Destiny voice acting is. The lady who does the voice of the stranger in Destiny 2 Mm -hmm. was the referee from Guts. Oh, really? Yeah! Wow. That's nuts. And I just realized that the other day because I saw it. Somebody was like, did you know on Reddit? And I was just like, what the fuck? How did I not hear it? That's amazing. And I love her even more. And now I love Ada 1 even more. And I'm sad she's gone. <laughs> oh, my God. It makes I can hear it now. Yeah. Because yeah. she's so much angrier in Destiny. <laughs> she's just like, whatever, Guardian. You want some weapons? I got that good shit, I guess. You know? And she, you know, she, and Tifa's a sweetheart. And just like... Kind of like strong, independent, but also, you know, wouldn't mind being loved every once in a while. Yeah, right. And that's like, I like that, like, they made her, like, Tifa in Final Fantasy VII Mm -hmm. always kind of, like, weirdly felt like a damsel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And she never got to be strong. Mm -hmm. And in this game... They like, you know, they, they kind of set her up that way of like, you know, but, but like you get to that train and she just like my turn and she just starts kicking bitches off the train and shit. I'm like, damn girl, go. She is no damsel. She is not waiting to be saved. She is out there getting shit done, but her sensitive side gets to come out Yeah. and Tifa gets like Tifa when she's around cloud, I think she kind of, she kind of bears her heart in a way that she doesn't around other people and to an extent also bear it. Yeah, I agree. Like when she's with that core cast, she kind of like lets her guard down a little bit and kind of bears her emotions, Mm -hmm. but it's so much better. She's not a damsel anymore. She is like one of the, you know, 
you could say this about any of the main cast members. She's one of the best characters in the game, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, and, and just to just to confirm the fact check, um, the guy I was thinking of uh, was the voice actor for Barrett in both Advent Children and Dirge of Cerberus, not in the remake. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the voice cast from top to bottom is fantastic. Um, even I, Barrett, I, I, I love Barrett in this game. Yeah. He's so good. And I just love how like in the first game, they really made him kind of talk stupid. They made him a Mr. T. To this day, it's something that is heavily criticized in that game. And, you know, as a kid, I looked past a lot of it. And as I got older and I was kind of exposed to it a little more of the idea of that. And I looked and I was like, yeah, you know, they're they're kind of right. Like Barrett was like the idiot with a heart of gold back in Final Fantasy seven. And now, like, he is so much more than that. Like he, you know, he really you really get to see the man being the loving father. You get to really see him talk to like Marlene and the way he talks to her. And it's like he's talking to a kid, but he's talking to a kid he respects. You know, he is talking to someone like, I can talk to you about what's really going on. And I don't, you know, he's not gonna get into details, but he's like, I gotta go out there and save the world, sweetheart. Like, you know, you know what these bad men are gonna do. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do it, who's gonna do it? And she's just like you're right. I love you, dad. And he's just like, I promised myself I wouldn't cry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Like he, he seems like the type of dude who like with his daughter, like he'd be the anime guy in the background. He'd be Maze Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. If, he is basically Hughes if he had, from Full Metal Alchemist. If he had both hands, he would definitely braid Marlene's hair. 100%. Oh my god. I, I'm surprised he doesn't have like a little turret thing for it. Yeah, right? Like, I got the braider. <laughs> Look at that. It's beautiful. I got the most beautiful girl in the world. You want to see pictures? I got 50. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is Final Fantasy Maze. He is, that's that's right. Oh man. That's great. Uh, so yeah, voice acting He's phenomenal. So um man, what do you what do you want to talk about next? <laughs> Midgar, man. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Every that like talk about like you know at, at first I was a little nervous like how do you make a Final Fantasy game how do you make Final Fantasy Seven Part One just be Midgar considering you're in Midgar for like what five or six hours tops and it's like it works mm-hmm. like Midgar is just fully real like the first time I realized and I was like you know what there's sun down here and I looked up and I was like oh. You can see the plates yeah. and you can see outside like there is life out there because in Final Fantasy seven, you know, they make it sound like, you know, yeah, we're just kind of trapped down here. Nowhere to go. Never see the sun. But like the sun is there, but like you only get to see it for parts of the day. Yeah. Sorry. You're going to hear my neighbor stomping the- around upstairs. It's coming through on the audio yeah, no, track. They're, so they're, I heard. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah. They got their clogs on. Yep. Yeah, um, like, hey. but yeah, I mean, they, they're like, stop podcasting down there. <laughs> but in the original, they could only do so much in terms of scale because it was always, it was almost always like an but, isometric camera angle. And yeah, um, one cool but thing, but having that freedom, yeah, having the freedom. It's some of my favorite game. art direction of the year was Midgar. Um, it's just the way they do it is phenomenal. I, I don't know, you probably know, but I didn't know that you know uh, when you're. Uh, in the original game, when you're on the train and like Tifa's like explaining a bunch of stuff to you, it does the green wireframe map of Midgar. Mm-hmm. That's in this game. It's in the remake. Yeah, I didn't know that. 
until I just saw someone do it today. And I was like, oh, when you're on the map screen, if you press like oh, options looked, or something, it brings up the like the the old school green wireframe map of Midgar. It's awesome. Yep. Um, but Midgar, when I when I played through the game, the original game, Midgar was by far my favorite part of the game. I felt like that's where a lot of the most kind of in, maybe not interesting things, but like I felt like Midgar had so much potential to be so much more. I mean, there's eight sectors. There's the the underplates and the the topside plates and the different kind of casts there and that sort of thing. I felt like Midgar was the most unique setting of the original game, and I was very happy when I heard that the entire game was going to be in Midgar. Um, and I think that they absolutely nailed it. The sense of scale that you get when you're in the Sector 7 slums and you look up and you just see the huge central pillar and then you see the plates above you. You see the gaps in between the upper plates where like some light can can leak through. You see the support beams that hold up the plates I, on the outside. I think a big thing too that you really get exposed to early in this game that you don't really see until you leave Midgar. Because remember, in Final Fantasy VII, you left Midgar and they just surrounded the area by rocks. Right, and right. you don't really realize those aren't rocks. That's fallout from draining the planet of life energy mm -hmm. with the Mako reactors. So when you look outside, you really get to see, like, you know, even early when you're hunting those bugs and shit, like, that place is desolate. Yeah. Like, it is, it, it, the world around Midgar is dead. Because they've been draining the life of the planet with the Mako reactors. Mm -hmm. Like, and you get to see it now. Like, you can see when Barrett tells you they're killing the planet. You can look and be like, he's right. That, that bitch is desert out there. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. You, yeah. In a way that, like, only Advent children could show you prior to that. Right. Um, and I'm just thankful they didn't bring back the white fishnet shirt for Barrett from Advent children. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, it, no, it, I was, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't the wasn't best crazy. decision. No, that was none. None of those were the best look. <laughs> not, not a single one of them, except apparently Sephiroth, because it's kind of Advent Children Sephiroth a little bit. <laughs> okay, yeah, Advent Children Sephiroth was a good. Look. Yeah, yeah, and that's the that's that, the that only was, one they brought over, which was a good choice. <laughs> yeah, no, they definitely yeah. Cloud Cloud looks better like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, Advent Children Cloud will forever be emo Cloud in my mind, and I'm never okay with emo Cloud. Because the whole point in the first game of Cloud was that, like, he, he had the conflicting personalities. So he had the mindset and swagger of a Zack, but he, ne he didn't earn it. And so he was conflicting with, like, the part of him that never actually, like, did it. So he was way more, like, bragging about it. And he, he was more like, yeah, I'm a big deal. Because Cloud was never a big deal. Zack was the big deal. And Cloud was just living for Zack. So he wanted everybody to know, hey, this is me. And, like, I, I part of me worries because, like, I think that was one of the most important, like, moments in Final Fantasy VII was, like, when Tifa and him get pulled into the live stream and you have to really, like, expose Cloud mm -hmm. and you need to bring out the real Cloud who's not nearly as confident as that Cloud, who's maybe not even as talented as that Cloud, but, like, you gotta bring him out and he has to live with the fact of knowing, like, I'm not who I think I am. Yeah. And, and so, like, I... And it could still happen. It could still happen. It could. 
Um, I hope it does because that's a huge story beat that yeah. I don't want to lose as part of this. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've come around on you know certain other story beats, like maybe a certain flower girl doesn't have to die anymore. But <laughs> I still think she has to die. I think it's a red herring. I think she but does yeah, too. I think yeah. she. I think she does. False too, hope. But I think they go. I think we go a lot longer without it. Yeah. Yeah. Or. Or they work around it some way with the multiple timelines, maybe a different Aerith, who knows. Um, but, but what were we just talking about? My mind went in a hundred directions. Uh, what were you just literally talking about? I was about? just talking about like the cloud uh, yes. personality thing. Yeah, I, I, we were talking about Advent Children Cloud and Emo Cloud right, I, and how I don't like it. I was going to say I like a couple times throughout the game where like he's kind of called on it. Like in the Reno boss fight in the church, where he's like, "You're a soldier. What rank?" And Cloud goes for first class, and Reno goes, "Don't make me laugh." And yeah. and then like Hojo says the same thing. Uh, the the fr- we're gonna get into it eventually, but the the Sephiroth and the the whispers like make it so that he can't hear what who Aerith says when he's like. Oh, your your like your first lover was a soldier first class. What was his name? And she says his name, and that's when like the the, the noise in his head takes over again. Like I like the nods they gave to it without like I mean if you're a new if you're completely new to Final Fantasy VII, I don't think you still know what's going on um, in some of those. And I moments. think that's its own. That's its own level of enjoyment. Like, I oh, feel yeah. like I, I would love to be able to experience this game out of context mm-hmm. and then, like, experience it with context and be like, oh, you know, because I feel like that's its own mystery. Like, for people who have never played Final Fantasy VII, who have never seen Advent Children, who never played Crisis Core, there's a lot of shit in this game that doesn't really make sense. But I feel like that's going to change. Like, that for them is the is the reason to keep journeying. Who the hell is that black-haired guy at the end of the game, mm-hmm. you know? Who looks like Cloud, who's carrying Cloud? Why are there two clouds, you know? Yeah, and or like That is the shit that's going to be big in those next couple games cuz for us, we get that payoff cuz we have the experience. We know who those people are and you know, seeing them in this game or seeing those moments when we know what's happening, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's that thing I know, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and like, same thing with Sephiroth because he gets such sporadic screen time in this first game and is just kind of all over the place. So I was thinking, like, for, like, someone, like, if, if Allie sat down on the couch and watched me play through the entire game, she would be very confused about Sephiroth. And... And I thought at first, like, I was like, yeah, I get that, actually. They didn't really, like, he's not set up super well in the game. And then I heard someone say, it's kind of like Darth Vader in A New Hope. He's this mysterious guy who shows up and kicks ass, but you really don't know anything about him until the, the later films. And I was like, you know that's what? That's true. That, that's a good point, actually. Like, Darth Vader was definitely less confusing then Sephiroth two, popping two up everywhere. But yes. Can, yes, questions. Two questions. Two questions. First, yes. how do you feel about how Sephiroth was used in this game? I think I liked it. Um I, th- I think I do too. Yeah, I'm I'm I haven't really kind of solidified my opinion on how they used him. I think I like it, but I think they threw him out there a little too often too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But ultimately I like that. 
they had him involved because there were a lot of really good cloud moments where it's like, hey, because like I, I think it ends up being really good because towards the end, you know, like he plays a big role in right. the ending of, you know, Midgar, yeah. Sephiroth does. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you're you're building to that reveal. And I like the idea that Sephiroth when you get the context that he's fully aware of everything that's going on Mm -hmm. and absolutely aware of what you're doing. And he's just kind of egging you on to do it, which I I, I guess we'll kind of talk about that basic idea in a little bit, but I really like the idea of like, he knows what you're doing and he's totally cool with it. And he's just like, (laughs) yeah, fucking go out there. Hey, there's destiny. You could do that shit or you could come over here and make some real shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like when he kept saying destiny, I was like, wow, this really is Chris's favorite game of all time. Yeah. That's my, that's my word. Yep. That's my happy word. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think ultimately I, th- I think how they used him does work. Um, I, th- I think that they did lean on him heavily in the beginning. I really liked the very first time cloud sea sephiroth in the alleyway i really like that one um it's the classic sword gets stuck in like the doorway and like or the yeah the one where like it's the classic shot from the from the the original game of the flames and sephiroth's back is to cloud then he turns around like that one i think works really well and i think they they use him enough throughout the game to make sure that you're aware of his importance in the end game and I think that yeah. ultimately, I think ultimately it does work. I think it's jarring just how early he's in the game, but it makes sense mm. when it, it, by the time you get to the end, because they have to expose Sephiroth to you early and they have to expose that he's a threat, which is why the fireworks and stuff. Cause that sets an image of just like, yo, you don't know who that guy is, but cloud as a character is like, you know, is almost communicating to you like, yo, that guy, I hate that guy. And the game is, you know, you as the player now need to be like, all right, well, I don't know why, but I hate that guy too. Right. What an asshole, you know? And then when he keeps coming back, you have to increasingly hate that asshole. (laughs) Uh, Put it on a shirt. Um, (laughs) But Um, yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. And I I like, I, I, I also really like, and, and it's obviously in the original game, but it's able to be kind of kind of conveyed so much better in this modern game with the the performances. I really like how kind of everyone and by not not everyone. Uh like Aerith knows Cloud, but she doesn't let on with him that she knows who Cloud is. And Tifa knows more about Cloud not as much as Aerith does, I think, in terms of kind of in his involvement in the overall everything. Well, assuming, as of right now, I guess all we can do is assume... That the events are... She knows that, that everything happened so far exactly yes. as it was supposed to. In, at least in this so, timeline of the game. Tifa knows a lot more than she's letting on. Mm. And in the first game, that didn't get exposed until Cloud told the story about Sephiroth. Right, right. About the first time he worked with him, because Tifa questioned a lot of that. Remember when when they're sitting in the inn and he's telling that story, and Tifa's like, "Are you sure that's how it happened?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course, I was there." And she's just like, "Okay, I'm just making sure, yeah, you know, because I, I I remember it a little different, but you would know you were there, yeah, and you know, it was you." And I mean, there were like 
uh, for me, it was a surprising amount of times they flash back to young Tifa over her father and picking up Sephiroth's sword. Like, they pounded that image in as well a few times. I, I love that, though. Yeah, like, me too. I me love too. that. That, like, they do that because that's such an important scene. Like, for context, in Final Fantasy VII, there's a flashback scene. Uh, Sephiroth is trying to find Genova, and he finds her, and he just goes in and murks Tifa's father, and she's pissed, and he leaves his sword because he's, like, he's just, like, so taken by her. He's like, I found her. So he leaves his sword. She grabs the sword and tries to go kill him. He just backhands her and, like, cuts her down. Um, and then, realistically, what happens is Zack goes in, who is the black hair guy at the end of the game. Zack is like Cloud, but not Cloud. He eventually, Cloud is everything Zack was. There's a long, complicated story without getting into that right now. Zack goes in and tries to fight Sephiroth. Sephiroth is at like peak annoyance and kicks his ass. Like, just reminds Zack that like, I am in a league of my own. You are not ready for this and almost kills him. And Cloud shows up as a Shinra soldier, because he didn't make it to soldier, he's just one of the guards, sees a wounded Tifa, sees a wounded Zack, takes Zack's sword, and fucking murders Sephiroth. Like, absolutely fucking kills Sephiroth in a fit of rage. Yeah, like, Cloud is literally, like, one of those Shinra grunt soldiers that you kill a ton of at the beginning of the game. He's one of those. And he, because he's a failed Hojo experiment. He is a failed soldier. He failed out. They tried to do the stuff to him because they tried to, there's this whole thing where Hojo, he's the guy in the game. He's trying to make a bunch of Sephiroths. He's trying to recreate Sephiroth. And to do it, he's taking all these people who want to join soldier. And he's like, all right, you can join soldier. And if you make it through this step, you can go because then I get what I want. But he failed out. And then something triggered inside of him when Sephiroth is like about to kill, you know, his new best friend and the girl he's always kind of secretly loved. And so, you know, young Cloud just goes in and is just like, yo, I'm gonna kill you. And Sephiroth's like, ha, oh shit, I'm dead. Yeah. And like Sephiroth is technically, assuming everything has played out exactly the same as that up to this point. Technically, Sephiroth is dead. Right. Which leads to the implication of one, you know, this is just Sephiroth, you know, abusing the life stream to kind of do his bidding. Or two, is this an alternate destiny Sephiroth? Yeah. Is this a Sephiroth who, and it's hinted at, Sephiroth. Is this life stream Sephiroth or destiny Sephiroth? Yeah. Is this the Sephiroth who knows everything that happens in the first game? That would be so cool. That's what I think I it is. I didn't think about that. Th that's what I thought I, that it was. Oh, I didn't think about it like that. Like, what if he knows everything? D that, that's the seven seconds line. He already knows what's going to happen. You have second se seven seconds. And that's that's exactly why he pulls Cloud yes. to that point. Yes. Oh, my God. He's testing him. Yeah. And that wasn't oh from anyone God, else. I that was just from me. Like that. That's what I thought I it was. See, this is the shit I wanted. This is the shit I wanted. <laughs> I didn't think of it like that. Yeah. No. Him and Aerith know everything that happened in the original game. Because you see Aerith and, uh, as the game progresses. How, does, how, how would... Hold on. How would Aerith know, though? I think... So, I mean, we can go all over the place. I think 
Like, Aerith is so... Like, when you see Aerith right before you enter, like, the singularity, she's a different person. Like, she is very stoic and is providing all these <gasps> she answers. Was, she was gifted with the knowledge. Yes. I mean, she gets... So, she, she, so, by the end of the game, she knows. Not yes. at the beginning, no, 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 at no. the end, she knows. I, that's what I think. Okay, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that it, makes and sense. I mean, yes. It, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking you're talking the whole game, she knows. And I'm like, I don't think that... But, I, like, because Sephiroth clearly knows throughout the whole game. Yeah. And that's what I thought you were saying. She was the same way. Yeah, but I think yeah, she, she, she knows at some point. Because she, she... She gets touched by those things, right? By the, the Watchers I, or whatever. The, the Whispers. Yeah, I, th- I think whispers, so. Whispers, yeah. And, and, I mean, there's that one scene in Hoja's Lab where she touches Red 13. And Red 13's like... Or Aerith was like... No, it was Red 13. Where Red 13 was like... Yeah, I basically, like saw everything when she like reached out and touched me and it's like does red 13 know like dude it's the only thing that i feel relatively I don't think he can process it I, like she can because she's a she's well a she's an, yeah no i'm not saying he yeah. can process it he was just saying that yeah he saw a lot of stuff and he didn't know what to make of it but um yeah i think i genuinely think this sephiroth knows everything that happened in the first game. And that's why he's trying to screw with the Whispers who are trying to make the first game happen. Because he knows so every moment I when to try to break it up. Let's let's set the stage here real quick. Yeah. Because I, I, I didn't figure out how to communicate this until you finished and I was talking to you, Ross. Yes. Final Fantasy VII Remake is effectively a game about not playing Final Fantasy VII. And what I mean by that is the game is on the path of Final Fantasy VII, but at every turn, your best choice is to defy the game. So, like, at every point, like, when the the little, like, Dementor-looking dudes show up, they're trying to keep you on the path of Final Fantasy VII. And every time you fight them, you are breaking the game effectively. Yeah. And there's this, it's this weird meta shit that doesn't make sense until the end of the game when they explain what they are. Yeah. So like there's, (laughs) so an early example, Chris, in the original game, what is the, who is all in the crew who goes to bomb the sector five reactor? Who is the crew that goes to do that? I think Biggs, I think they're all that. no, Jesse stays behind, doesn't she? I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I played Final Fantasy VII. Pro- I think it's been since that playthrough. Yeah. Um, so, I know that T- Tifa, Cloud, and Barrett are the main crew. Yes. And so, I believe Biggs and Jesse are there. Okay. Then that... In some capacity. I, I know they're there, but they don't do anything. Okay. Then that, then that changes it a little bit. Because in my mind, I remembered it a, a bit differently. And you're way more familiar with the original game than I am. But... When the Whispers start attacking 7th Heaven, they attack Jesse, knock her down the stairs, she twists her ankle, and she can't go to the Sector 5 reactor, and she's the one who built the bomb. They did that because, in my mind, how I remembered it, Jesse wasn't there in the original Sector 5 bombing run. They didn't explain why, but the Whispers were trying to maintain that original timeline by taking Jesse out of the picture for that mission. And that's why they were there at that no, moment. That's what it is. No, listen, here's what happened. They, they were there. They got split up on the train. Okay. So remember when you're crawling through the vents and stuff, you meet bigs just like you do in this game, 
Um, and he gives you all the stuff and Jesse is on the train and she's the one who tells you the IDs are bad. We got to go. So they all get separated. Okay. okay. I think the thing is though, you're getting to know Jesse better in this game. Mm. And that's part of the meta is that the game is trying to get you to not play final fantasy seven cloud. Never got close to Jesse yeah. like he does in this game. Yeah. And the whispers are trying to slow her roll mm, yeah. <laughs> because they don't want to break up what they have going for destiny. Destiny is she dies and cloud doesn't cloud cares, but he doesn't care, you know, mm-hmm. but now he's getting attached to her. She gives him the, the peck on the cheek and stuff like that, you know? And it's like, Hey, you guys are getting real close and getting to know each other. Cause cloud never does that mission. Uh, you know, that whole Jesse mission in the right, first game. Right. So I think to your point, yes, they are trying to change her role in this. They're trying to take her kind of a little more out of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the difference in cloud getting to know her better accounts for the change in how she wasn't ultimately end up, ended up being involved in the sector five mission. It, it's it's different to where they didn't get separated on the train. She gets taken out before the mission starts. But I think part of that may be due to the change in this particular timeline where Cloud got to know her better. So the specific circumstance yeah. didn't line up, but the end result was the same. Um, and so, like, the whispers... So what you're saying is Jesse did it to herself. Yes. Um, Damn. The, the whispers, I've, like... I've heard some complaints about as... Uh, the most in-your-face, like, <laughs> we are we are maintaining the plot, and we are, like, there's not a whole lot of subtlety to them. And I get that. No. And I get that. But I think that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. They're supposed to be in your face, because, like, they're supposed to, that's supposed to be the trigger in your head of, like, okay, these things are here for a reason, and that's what kind of sets you on the course of, you know, hey... We are defying destiny mm. because when you realize that that's their purpose is to keep you on destiny's path for you, that's when it all makes sense of the times they show up because, you know, cloud is destined for a certain path that doesn't involve Jesse. All of a sudden, if cloud gives a shit about Jesse more than he's supposed to, maybe cloud does something stupid for Jesse that he's not supposed to and gets himself killed or Tifa dies or Barrett dies and they're too important to destiny. Mm-hmm. She is going to die anyway. Right. right. Doesn't matter when she's going to die eventually. And they know that. So she's expendable. Those three are far from it. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh man. Um, and the, the hard part about the spoiler cast is like, it's easy to just rant and rave, but it's like when you want to talk about it in a more structured fashion, it's hard. Yeah. And especially a game this big. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm, I'm just like, like at some point I want to talk about gameplay, um, and like the, some of the bosses in the game, but I also obviously want to talk about the ending and theories and that sort of thing. Can, can, can we take a second? Yeah. Go ahead. Let's talk music. Oh Yeah. It's great. The music in this game is just the best because it is the perfect blend of familiar. Like the tracks are like, they sound like if, if, if you could do an orchestra back then instead of the MIDI tracks, if you could do 
a, a real orchestra, that's what they would sound like. I love that every zone has its own music. Every boss has its own variation of the music. Every combat, you know, going in and out of combat is just this seamless musical transition of like, hey, it's kind of the quieter, subdued one. And then you get into battle and it's the dun, 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 dun you know, just like, and, it, and then it calms down and you're just kind of walking around with the casual kind of battle. And then you get back in and it just picks up where it left off. Like, it's so good. The music is just so true to the original, but in a way that like still feels new and special. And then some of the best tracks in the game are tracks that didn't exist. Like the Honey Bee Inn is the perfect example. The Honey Bee Inn has a whole musical number. Like they've got their own little life going on there. It's not just like a one-off little track. You walk around, you get in a hot tub with a bunch of guys, you know. They don't do that shit anymore. The whole Honey Bee Inn is like this great, like, this great show. Like embracing like, hey, you know what? It's cool if you want to be a girl. We're not here to judge you. Everybody should be what they want. And, you know... Whereas in the first game, they had that stigma of like, why would he want to do that? That's fucking weird. Like, who would do that? Who wants to be a... You hear about this guy? This guy's a weirdo. They get rid of that. They got this whole, like, number about, like, how it's like, you know, stand up and be yourself and don't let anyone keep you down, which is really, like, progressive, I feel, for even a Japanese game. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think a lot of those stigmas still exist over there. Um, so credit where credit is due, you know. Uh, it just, it, it's, it's just evolved. And like Corneo Coliseum, which didn't exist in the first game has to have all new music. And I love the music when you're, when you're in the arena, Ross, uh, like that, um, that crazy, like, uh, techno, but like the, I, I don't know how to explain it, but you know what I'm talking about, right? The the one I said sounded like Danganronpa, that one? Or yes, one? I think so. Okay. That yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, that, that the was, Danganronpa one when you're yeah. in there and it's just like like that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Coliseum Deathmatch is what it's called on the soundtrack, if you ever want to look it up. Um it's so good. I hate like I hate <laughs> I hate when I do music like that because it's like I, I, I don't have any better way to when I don't have any other way to explain it. <laughs> I just have to do it. You, you know? do the do to do I treatment. hate it, but I do it. I do the do to do. Don't drop that dun da 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 a. There it is. That's also in the game. Not really. Um, not um, really. No. Uh, will you in, 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 indulge me uh, for a, a brief kind of brief interlude? Okay. Um, I just want to go through uh, the bosses in the game and just give me okay. a thumbs up or a thumbs down on how you liked the boss, and I'll do the same. Okay. Um. Uh, first one up, Scorpion Sentinel. Thumbs up for me. Not, not, not my, not my favorite. Really? Yeah, it was a lot really early, and like I, I, I wasn't ready for like the. It took me a while to get going in the in terms of the combat, like constantly switching and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also still in like the honeymoon phase of just taking it all in. Right, right. That uh, I, I wasn't really paying attention mm-hmm. all that much. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a fine boss. It's a lot early and it took a while to kill, but I also fought it wrong. So, you know, maybe that's me. Maybe give me a thumbs down on that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just briefly, how'd you find the difficulty of the game overall? I found myself, I don't think I died on any bosses. I died on stupid side stuff. (laughs) I died once on a side mission 
uh, for the the thief lady. Mm-hmm. I walked in and it was like the the spirit things. Yeah, yeah they yeah. just killed me right off the rip. Yeah, like immediately dead. Um, that that pissed me off. But I fought, I beat him the next time. Gotcha. Um, I died to one boss. I can't remember which one. Um, I'll go down the list. My jog your memory. It was I, I remember it being my fault, but I I didn't like it. Um, yeah, that's the most times I died randomly was in the drum when you get separated. And when it was just Tifa and Aerith, and like five dogs jumped out of cages and just destroyed me before I could do anything because yeah, they kept the stunlocking dog, me. Dogs were rough. Um, yeah. Overall, I think it was fine, if a little uneven. I definitely mm-hmm. think there were some moments where it's like, you know, it, it, w- it would be weird. And it wouldn't be like difficulty spikes. Like, oh, this area is just much harder. It would just be like, this group of enemies, I'm just not ready for this. You know, it's just, I would get in a fight like with those ghosts and I'd go in and be like, okay, I'm ready for this. And then all of a sudden realize, oh, I fucked up right off the rip and died. You know, like that's the thing is like Final Fantasy seven remake is definitely a game that like you play by its rules. It's almost like I I compare it almost to Dark Souls. You kind of got to play by its rules a little bit. And if you go in too arrogant, you're going to die. That's just facts. If, if you go in unprepared or if you're unwilling to adapt to the battle, you're going to lose. And the ghosts, I went in and I had an expectation for how that fight was going to go. And it did not go that way. And I got killed. Assess everything is what I do. Always assess. No, Always assess. no, no doubt. Always yeah. assess. Yeah. Um, okay. Back to the boss. Uh, the Roche motorcycle boss. I liked that fight actually more than I thought I would. He was fine. Uh, I was surprised he didn't show up again. I was really Me expecting too. him to show up on the highway at the end. Yeah, because uh, uh, he feels kind of he feels like kind of a waste almost. Yeah, because after your fight with him off the bike, he's like, "I'll see you again." So I expected him to be like, "I hope he a comes back in the future." Goofy he seems cool because he's like he is the perfect kind of like goofy advent children guy Mm -hmm. like he's the type of character that brings out the dumb shit you do on the motorcycle and it's just like i'm gonna jump around on this motorcycle and fight you in midair and shit in ways that don't make any sense i jumped off the motorcycle but i'm still traveling at the speed of motorcycle yes um which how fast are they going anyway (laughs) it's you know Soldiers, man, um, they move at the speed of motorcycle. But I just love that whenever Cloud jumps in midair, he's just going whatever speed oh, yeah. the motorcycle is the entire time. It, Even when they're deadlocked in the air fighting, he is still traveling at the speed of motorcycle. Oh, yeah. it's it anime. is anime bullshit <laughs> of the highest regard. It's great. And I couldn't be happier. Yeah, um, I love how Roche. He was cool though. I love how he just had no regard for anyone else, and like even the oh, soldiers yeah. were like. Oh no, it's him! And like they they're know. like, oh no, and he's and then like they're gonna fight him, and he's like, no, he's yeah. mine, but not right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think part he of he comes in and saves you, and just whatever. I think part of that actually can get kind of interesting because uh, Hojo later mentions the cell degradation for soldiers, which originally was from Crisis Core, which they brought over, um, and I feel like like soldiers are insane. <laughs> and I feel like he's an example of that. Like, like Sephiroth, Genesis, Angeal, like they're all kind of crazy. And I feel they like all go crazy in the and, end. And I feel like soldiers, like that's a nod to that Roche's where he's just weird. <laughs> I um, wonder, like I could see him like being a guy who kind of flips the script. I could see him like 
and, and, and you know, assuming this is an alternate reality now, I could see him joining the party on a temporary basis mm, yeah. at some point, like showing up in Shinra and just being like, hey, I'm going to be like a Red 13 and just kind of go with you. Mm. Like, I respect you and I'm not going to kill you. And I just want to be involved in whatever shit you're doing because you're really cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. He could be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, his fight and off the bike, was, yeah, and and he'll die. Uh, his fight off the bike was fine. Um, I didn't think it was mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, the crab warden, kind of a thumbs down from me. Um, yeah, crab warden was just an overglorified mini boss. It was just, it was yeah. A bit, it, I, fa- I found the scorpion more interesting. Than, he didn't serve a purpose. Yeah. Other than like, oh look, another robot. I thought the airbuster was great. Airbuster was dope. I really liked the Airbuster fight. I like, and I liked the Airbuster because it was a, it was, I, I wasn't completely right. Again, I was slow to adopt some of the mechanics mm. um, because I just want to play as Cloud because Cloud's my favorite. Um, but that was one of the first fights where it's like you have to switch back and forth and it really kind of is like, hey, you got to get, and then like, you know, I spent a lot of time on Barrett because the Airbuster would fly out and I'd be like, Barrett, you, you get some fucking hits in, dude. Yeah. Like, you yeah. put in some work, my guy. Yeah, absolutely. And and I like the Airbuster fight and how they how you could like customize Change it. W- what you yeah. were taking away from that that battle. I thought I got, that was I got cool. rid of his bullshit nukes. I took them all away. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I wasn't messing with that. I think I ended up doing... And then he still did one. <laughs> he just he has one in the chamber. He had one. He, has he one had one in the one chamber. In the chamber <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I couldn't imagine it. That thing almost wiped me and I couldn't imagine him having like four of them. I think for me he had 3. Um, yeah, no, I, I took all of them away except that one. Uh, what did what hurt me more in that boss fight were the finger lasers that stunned me because then I would just be a sitting duck. I took I tried yeah. to take those away mostly. Um, next up was one of actually probably one of my favorite boss fights in the game. Reno in the church. I really liked that one-on-one fight. That was a good one. I, really I like fighting that. Reno more than fighting Rude. Uh, yeah, there was me something too. about Rude. There was something about Rude that I just I couldn't get his cadence down, mm. but Reno was a Dark Souls ass boss fight. Reno was and fun. once I figured him out, I was like, oh shit, you're done, dude. And I was just like, block, block, hit, hit, dodge. Okay, wait for him to do it. Block, hit, hit, dodge, wait for him again, boom, stun, braver, braver, dodge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he's I did so that fast. Cadence, you know? Yeah, it, it, <laughs> he was he was he was cool. I he was one of my favorites. He was a good fight. That that like, I like the fast fights. Mm-hmm. I like when enemies are like getting in there and like when you're on when you have to keep moving. Like that's the speed I like. I don't like the shit where I'm just standing there hacking away at a leg for a while. Like this is gonna break and then you're gonna take a little bit of damage. Right. Um. Like right. I I don't like having to worry about stagger as much. I like being engaged and fighting. You know. Mm, yeah. I don't want to have to stagger something just to hurt it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. Um. Yeah, and the next up was Rude, who I think was kind of a worse Reno, but he was still fine. Um, yeah, he was fine, but he kept grabbing me every time <laughs> until I started just using Aerith, and I was like, whatever, just you know, throw your sparkles at him. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, just keep Cloud alive. Next up for me was my most <laughs> difficult fight in the game because I came into it not knowing all of the materia that I would need, so I was underprepared. Um, the Hell House fight. Oh, <laughs> The whole time I'm going around, dude, I was on a side mission. I went down into like the side path mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, is this where the hell house is going to be? No. Every time I'm looking around, is this where the hell? No. 
Oh, I gotta fight the no. They turned it and into then a just spectacle. Like, oh, hell house! And I was just like, I was Thor in Ragnarok, and I was just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Yeah, that was me. Put my face on that gif. That was me when I saw the hell house, and that hell house was a pain in my ass, but I loved it. Yeah, it was. It was a great. <laughs> that fight. was a special fight. I did not have two of the elements equipped going in, so I I think it, I had both. What was it? Ice and bolt that you needed. You needed fire, ice, wind, and lightning. You need. You ne- technically needed all four. Needed. It, I think I was light on wind, but I made do. I I, I had two of the four, so once I, just I kept I just kept getting sucked into the house. Yeah, me too. So like <laughs> once once I assessed him, I was like, oh no, I'm probably just gonna <laughs> die, and then I'll reset the materia. But I made it no, through. You did it, man. The the Aerith, that is a long fight. It is a very long fight. It's a long um, fight. Aerith's arcane ward may be the best ability in the game. Um. Just being able to cast a spell twice at the cost of one cast is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that saved me so many times. <laughs> um, yeah, Hell House, fantastic. Uh, n- next up, uh, which gave me some trouble initially, um, Abzu, not the indie game. Um, no, Abzu I knew how to fight, and I just kept throwing fire at him. Because, yeah. like, you don't think he's a fire guy because he's a water guy. And you're like, oh, he lives in the sewers. No, you light that asshole on fire. Oh, yeah. No. He's covered in methane. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I immediately assessed him. I was like, oh, fire. Let me just oh, fire. No. I knew going in because I remembered from the first game. I was like, you're a punk oh, yeah. ass. And I dodged all of his little flood things. And I was like, nah, you're done, dude. I was ready for him. Uh, yeah, the his only bitch thing, ass was dead. The only thing that caught me off guard was the first time he sent the sewage out of the pipe. And it, it knocked someone out. And I was like, yeah, oh, no, I, I, that did I a was lot of damage. I got, I got out of the way of that every time. Um, I also had the, remember I told you the elemental materia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had fire you on had that. Fire so on that. Cl- every time Cloud hit him was fire. Did you have that for the... So I was just going and I, I was just going into, what? not operator, uh, what, is it operator? Punisher. Was the heavy one? Pun- I was Punisher in Punisher mode half the time, just hitting him in the shins. Yeah. I was um, going full Shinja on his ass. Were you... Did you have the elemental thing equipped for the Hell House? Because that, that could be an issue in the Hell House fight early on if you don't change the element. I might over. have, but it's not. it wasn't a big deal. Gotcha. Uh, I just switched to Aerith. Um, next up, um, a fight I did not enjoy was the ghoul boss fight. The like the undead horseman who was in like the, the chariot in the, the train graveyard. Oh, yeah. He was annoying. I didn't like him because... I would keep hitting his wheels and not doing damage. Yeah, and no, he, he wasn't bad. Break his wheel. Did you break his wheels? I eventually broke the wheels. But I broke early- the shit out of those. That was the first thing I did. Was I broke his dumbass wheels? Yeah, but I found him to be annoying. <laughs> I did not yeah, he was fight. he was just a pain in the ass because he wouldn't stop moving. Uh, mm. But once you break his wheels, he's not too bad. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, he. Yeah. No. I. I would give him a thumbs down, but I didn't really have much trouble with him. Yeah. Um. I really enjoyed. Um, mostly for the spectacle, I think. The dual boss fight with Reno and Rude. That the, was a good fight. I really liked that That was liked a good fight. fight. Rude wasn't as bad having a full party there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, just kill. Because I knew how to fight Reno. Just knock Reno out, and then Rude, you just kind of shoot him with Barrett a bunch, or punch him in the dick with Tifa, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's that's the 
the key to winning the game, really. Um, it, you were lucky because you you swapped weapons a lot more frequently early. I didn't, so you had Star Shower. Oh yeah, um, and it, I, I didn't. Anytime <laughs> I got a new weapon, I immediately equipped it, got the proficiency, and then changed back to another weapon if I wanted to because I just Eventually, wanted all of the abilities. I went back and I just went looking for fights and I just got everybody done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I, I didn't do that originally. I was just like I looked at the stats and like what the upgrades were, and I was mm-hmm. like, nah, I want to keep. I want to keep all these materia and stuff like that. And then I realized what I was doing was a mistake. And I was like, oh, I really should have these. And then once I realized Star Shower, I was like, I'm doing this for every character I have. Yeah. Because I think I did it for her. No, I did it for Barrett first because I really liked playing as him in the underground. Mm -hmm. And then I did it for Tifa because those were like the three I really cared about. And I was just, oh, no, I'm doing this for everybody. Yeah. I didn't finish with Aerith. Yeah, it's not gonna lie to you. I didn't finish with her. Uh, quick side tangent: I really like how really none of the weapons become obsolete because they're all specialized in specific ways. Like which uh, which weapon did you use at the end on Cloud? Uh, I I I spec'd him mostly as a physical attacker attacker, so I I kept Hard Edge. Um, but I, I used the one I got in the drum. Actually, that's how I ended the game. What was that one? The, the crazy, like, wizard-looking sword? What I was going to say is... The one that had, like, all the materia slots, I think? Yeah, what I was going to say is I was using Hard Edge, and then I did switch to that one because the balance was still pretty good with the physical damage, and it did have so many materia slots. It was um, basically Buster Sword with lower stats, but more materia slots. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, whatever. I was like, it had like two more slots than the Buster Sword. And I was like, listen, at this point, materia is more important. Because by that point in the game, you realize like, you know, physical attacks aren't really important unless you're building stagger. And yeah. then damage doesn't matter because it's once they're staggered, you just unload, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, whatever, you know, Br- Braver's not going to do that much less damage with this sword, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's oh man, it's gonna bug me. What was the name of it? I'm bringing up a weapon list. Yeah, I I can't think of it. But that that was the sword I ended the game with. Uh, That's how I could tell when the the end was all CG because I was like I didn't have Buster sword yeah. on. Uh, Twin Stinger <laughs> was the sword. Yeah, that's the one. It's um, a cool looking sword. It's too. a cool. It's a cool sword. It's a cool sword. Um, a good ass sword. Uh, back to bosses. I think this is your favorite. Um, failed experiment, which is the two tier yeah, best boss. boss fight in the game. It's good. It's really good. That one is just so good because you just played a bunch of Barrett, which like if you're not convinced that Barrett is like S tier by this point, uh, start shooting the boxes. That's going to change your mind real quick. Ross, confirm. Barrett is S tier once he gets Big Bertha. <laughs> He's S tier once he yeah. gets the maximum fury that's the ability. Best fucking move in the game, dude. That's and after that, because I was so set on getting all the abilities, man, do I hate using a melee weapon on him. My God! Hold on. At the end of the game, did you put Big Bertha back on? Oh, as soon as I got the abilities yep. on the Wrecking Ball and okay. the Steel Pincers, there was no way I was keeping those. Like, well, yeah, no, I I put Big Bertha back oh, on yeah, as no. soon as I could. Hundred percent. No, why would you not? It's it's the best one of his range weapons in the game. Um, it's the best. It's the best. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's the best. Like people who uh, run melee Barrett respect because man, he is so slow. My God. I just feel like you lose so much by making him melee. Yeah, his whole point and, is you know, he can attack things of, that others can't. With the exception of like that final boss in the Shinra building mm. with him, Aerith, and Red, that's one time where it might have been okay to have him as melee because really like you don't control any melee characters at that point. Um, but 
I uh, I really I, I I could see it, but really I think you lose too much versatility by taking the gun off of him. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. But uh, um, yeah, so that boss fight that he's talking about, failed experiment, is basically just like you've got Barrett on the ground and Tifa on like this upper level like uh, uh, like walkway. And you're fighting the boss, and like she's fighting a bunch of these little dudes up there, and Barrett is just trying to stun the boss so he doesn't go up and just murder Tifa. So like you're just switching back and forth. All right, Tifa, I gotta break these dudes down. You know, cast some shit, punches dude in the face, switch back to Barrett, gun him down, draw his attention so Tifa can fight. It was so good. It had just the right amount of intensity. It constantly kept me moving between the two characters. It was as close to a perfect boss fight as you could get in this game. It, and, which is ironic because it did not involve Cloud, your favorite character. And that is all the more credit. That's a testament. To it. I yeah. think you'd agree, though. That is as close to a perfect boss fight as you got um, in the game. I think it was really good. It wasn't my favorite. I think it was like top two or three, though. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good ass yeah, fight. It's a good fight. Um, next up, I actually forgot about this one entirely. The Type Zero Behemoth uh, in Chapter Fourteen. Part of oh yeah, the side quest one. Yeah, the side quest one. He killed me the first time. Oh really? The first time I went in there, he killed me. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, okay. Let me rephrase that. He knocked a bunch of my characters down, and I recovered. No. No, I know what happened. I went in fucked up early, and two of my guys died. So I went back oh, to restart the battle. Gotcha. I, so he didn't technically wipe me. I restarted, changed a couple things, and then went back in and kicked his ass. Nice. 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 Yeah. Um, he was annoying. He was strong. He was strong. Uh, the behemoth. Strong motherfucker. Uh, Ultimately a thumbs up, but behemoths are always annoying. Yeah. Uh, next up was uh, the rematch of Abzu, but with a bunch of little Abzus. Um, I like find... this fight better than the first one. Me too. I did too. Um, it was much better. Uh, however, this is one where one of my major complaints with the gameplay came to a head, which um, I had mentioned to you. The fact that there's no way to issue a command to your two AI teammates to focus on the target you're focusing on, I found in that battle, for me, infuriating, because I would be attacking one of the little ones, trying to clear it out, and they would be off on their own, fighting their own ones, instead of us trying to yeah. focus one down at a time. Yeah, and realistically, what you're doing at that point is you're just telling them to, like, hey, cast shit at this guy, or use an ability on this guy. That's the only time you're going to get them to focus, is, like, just being like, hey, you know, bringing up the menu... And just being like, hey, just attack this guy while I keep playing as Cloud and kill it, you know? Yeah, and, and that's that's one thing I hope that they might add to the next game. In Xenoblade Chronicles, there was, like, you held left trigger and pressed up on the D-pad to say, focus your attention on what I'm attacking. And I, it would be that, that n- nice if they good, would add that. That could be a good thing to implement. Yeah. I, I would agree with that, that that would be nice. Specifically for these multi-enemy fights, um, it can be kind of... Or even, like, setting, setting behaviors... Another like, thing, just going I wish in th- and being like, "Hey Barrett, I want you to keep distance and always attack at range. And if enemies get close to you, get away." You know, yeah, like almost like gambits from Twelve. Like they even yeah. kind of messed with them a little bit with the auto cure materia, where it's like, which really did that work consistently for you? No, because um, I never really noticed it working ever. You I have to have that, eventually. and you have to have the healing materia equipped. You can't just have right, it equipped. but I just never noticed it actually doing anything 
I never really used it um, because I. Yeah. It's just I, I I used it for a little bit and took it off when I was like I don't I don't see this thing working it, half the time. Yeah, it's it, especially if they don't give you the option in the next one to focus focus on what you're attacking, like a very light gambit system would be great. Um, I learned to love that system in twelve, but. Moving yeah, on. I, I think a little, I think a little more control because, like, a lot of JRPGs do that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the Tales games do that, where you can kind of set a rule set for each character and just be like, "You're always going to attack the guy I'm attacking. You're yeah. always going to clear ads. You're always going to prioritize healing, and then you know, use magic until a certain point. You know, like you could really customize that. And I think Final Fantasy VII Remake could, especially because it's so action focused. Yes. I think it's really important to do that considering you're taking direct control of a character. So the other two people are doing fuck all, you know, mm-hmm. you don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they're and not using the time. Cloud's just sitting under the boss, hitting it with basic attacks. And it's like cloud, if you could do anything else that would be more useful than what you're doing right now. Yeah. And the AI won't use any ATV charges because it's not going to use the resources that you would even if, use. E- even if they don't do that, I'm fine with that. I just wish I could set a rule set of like, you know, cloud, you know, clear weaker enemies, like get weaker enemies off the field first, instead of getting punched in the back by these little shits. Cause you want to continue to attack the shins. I know that's what I do, but that's when I control you. I am the Cobra commander. Yeah. You know, yeah. you and don't it, get to just do that. And, and like, it's like, they could really implement like a basic system in, in the game that has a lot of depth again like the gambit system where i would have like the person who has all of the healing healing spells i would set a rule set that would say like if ally falls below 25% health cast cure and it yeah. would do it and you could like you could move these up and down the list to prioritize them in order like something like that cuz i felt like most of the time when i wasn't actively controlling the other two characters they weren't getting much done which was a bummer but I still yeah. have fun. Um, like, yeah, no, I, I think a system like that would be really good. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Um, it would go a long way towards, uh, like, kind of beefing up that combat system. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, we are almost through. We're on the Chapter 15 boss, which is my most annoying boss in the game for me. Um, Hellhouse may have taken a long time, but I was having fun. The Valkyrie, the big mech... Once you climb to the top in chapter 15, who had been kind of like shadow chasing you up the climb with the big red eye and the three propellers on the top, I found him incredibly irritating to fight. Um, I don't know what it was. I didn't mind him all that much. Yeah. Um, It took me a while to figure out that like, oh, I got to get him to hit himself with the laser. Um, I never figured that out. I didn't know that was a thing. Nope. I just beat him. I, I, I thought about it. Yeah, if you get him to hit himself with the laser, get targeted, and then run to him, and he'll get hit by the laser. Genius. And then he goes stagger. That would have made that fight so much easier. See, I was about to figure it out, and then someone in my chat said something like, oh, mm. you just haven't figured out the mechanic. And I was like, why would you do that? Now I know that what I was thinking is right, and I didn't have a chance to test it. Now I just know that's the way to do it, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. And that bothered me a little bit. And I was just like, whatever. <laughs> you know? I was gonna figure it out. I was like, I was, I was thinking about it, but I was like, no, that's stupid. And then like they were like, yeah, and they said it. And I was like, in such a way that I'm like, oh, that's absolutely the trick. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, that boss is easy after that. Once he yeah. he, he hits himself, he just goes on the ground. And you just punch him a bunch. Yeah. 
Um, the chapter 16 boss was specimen H0512, aka Cthulhu, who he was okay. Was that the, the, the tape snake thing? Uh, it was, he was bipedal, but had like the tentacles coming out of his mouth. Just the monster, the, just the monster looking guy. Um, I don't remember this guy for some reason. Uh, that's not the boss of the drum, right? This is chapter, hold on, did I say 16? This is chapter 16, so I think this is on the way to the drum. Um, let me, here, let me send it to you in Discord. So just yeah, the, the image of quick, Just so I can, like, refresh my memory. Yeah. I, like, I feel like I have a faint idea, but I need to see it to, like, know for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, like, he was okay. Um, he must not have been that good if I can't remember him. Because I've remembered every other boss. I remember the tape snake and the drum. He was cool. I liked that they brought him back. Oh, this motherfucker. Yeah, he's forgettable as fuck. Yeah. I remember yeah. him. Yeah. He, um, his fight kind of sucked, honestly. I didn't I, like it all that much. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, it, it was just like a lot going on, and none of it was really fun. Yeah. Um, I remember up, Cthulhu. But next up, like you said, Swordipede was pretty good. Um, Swordipede was cool, and I love that enemy, and I love I love how they took like the really ridiculous enemies, because remember, that was yes. just some basic bitch-ass dude from Shinra, and you would just yeah. fight him in random battles. And I love that they took stuff like Hell House and took stuff like that, like the really ridiculous stuff that like would look absurd by today's standards as a regular fight. Yeah. I love that they took those and they were like, are you ready to fight a boss? And it's just like, I know that dude. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Know? Yeah. I, I, I loved that about I love that game. too. I love that too. That is um, like the best way to do it is take your crazy shit and just be like, now it's a boss. And I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Next up. That was a good fight. I like how it kind of went back and forth between the two parties. And mm-hmm. like you're each spending time doing it. That was a really good fight too. That, that was good. Um, next up is probably my second favorite boss fight in the game. My first favorite boss fight from a gameplay standpoint. Probably my second favorite overall. Which was the Genova Dreamweaver boss fight. I had a hard time. I like this fight. First off. I just want to stress that. And I had a hard time because every time I would attack her, she would do that like auto kill move. And so I kept getting stuck because she kept summoning the tentacles Mm -hmm. and I kept killing them. And I'm like, when am I supposed to DPS? And then I realized that when she does her reflect thing, like you can, if you dodge it at the right time, you could just keep hitting her. And I'm like, oh my God, I thought she just auto killed you. And I'm like, here I am feeling so stupid. I'm like, I can hurt her. Yeah, well, when you just said auto, when she would keep auto killing you, I was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, so like if she, if you attack her and she hits you with that move, it just kills your character. That never happened to me once. Okay. Yeah, I, that, it happened to gotcha. me the first. Time, it happened to me once, and then like I just assumed that was the mechanic. So every time I hit her, I would get hit, but I managed to dodge it a couple times towards the end because I couldn't think of anything else, and I was like, "Oh, I just suck." <laughs> uh. Yeah, that that's probably yeah. I she'll really, kill you. Yeah, I I that's really a great did, fight though uh, the fight and like just the arena I really liked as well. And um, the music, the music was great. The old, uh, the like the, the the new version, and then when you go into that final phase and it just goes old school, but like adds like the kind of Advent Children like guitar and the drum kicks and like oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, that is like a perfect setting. And it, it was. mind you, right after they just fucking murdered 
Barrett. Murdered Barrett. Sephiroth just stabs him in cold blood. Yes. 100%. Barrett dies in this game. He does. He does. For a uh, couple minutes, he is as dead as dead can be. No phoenix down in the world is saving him. No, uh, it's it, it's a, it's a cinematic. It's a it's a cutscene kill, which count way more. <laughs> the yeah, cutscene kills like, are permanent. <laughs> yeah, cut. There was no plot armor. Yeah, and I was um, just like, oh my god, they're taking him instead. No, yeah. <laughs> and then they they brought him back because you know destiny. Um, but like, oh my God, when they killed him, my jaw hit the floor when Sephiroth just murdered him. I was like, dude, that's not, that's not how this goes. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know if I can handle the word destiny being used this much because it distracts me every time. Can we use like fate? No, <laughs> Des- it's destiny. That's how God. he refers to it. Uh, I don't have time to tell you why I don't have time to tell you about this. Um, no, they fixed that. She, she's cool now. Ne- next up. Uh, she's was- important. Next up was also one of my least favorite boss fights in the game, which was Rufus and Dark Star. I did not like the Rufus fight. Rufus was he annoying. Was really, he was really annoying. The, the whole, like, ricochet shit, like, and that was the, just tedious. The fact that you, like, you, like, taking out the dog was fine. I didn't have a problem yeah. with that. Um, but, like, the fact that you can't really physical attack him unless he's reloading or else he just counters you and shoots you in the back of the head, yeah. that became really irritating. <laughs> Yeah, Rufus, um, like I, I feel like Rufus was the one fight where I was just like, dude, you're not that good. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, I get it. You're the bo- but like, come on. Like, they just overdid him a bit. Yeah. One thing I, I think, did, like, I, I did find out about Rufus was that um before uh, Final Fantasy before Crisis, which was the mobile game that was Japan only as part of like mm-hmm. the Final Fantasy VII collection, was that he was behind the scenes funding Avalanche the entire time. Oh yeah, no. He knew what he was doing because he wanted uh, he wanted his father he, out of yeah. power. Yeah, yeah. He which wanted I did to not take know. over the company, and then once he once he gets his seat of power, he just stops the funding to Avalanche and squashes him. He did it. The whole reason he funds Avalanche is because he wants to build up an enemy strong enough to take out his father, but one he's familiar enough to squash. And then it's like, oh look at me, I'm Rufus. I dealt with the terrorists. Crazy, you know. Right. So yeah, that's yeah. his first move and just be like, oh, yeah, squash the resistance. Now I'm the leader and everyone believes me. Yeah, you know? he, he was playing his father's game. How his father was trying to frame Wutai for Avalanche. Father. Yeah, yeah, yep. he outplayed yep. his father. Like, Rufus is a ruthless motherfucker. He is. Um, He's a good character. He is. Uh, I hope we see a lot more of him in the next game. Um, oh, we will. Next up was the Arsenal boss, uh, which was the one with, like, the treads. The massive mech. Wait, with real the quick. Treads. Hold on. Before we go, I, I just don't want yeah. to lose this. Sure, sure. How did you feel on the topic of like weird people behind Avalanche? Mm-hmm. How did you feel in that plot twist when the mayor was a member of Avalanche? I really when Mayor liked Domino. It. That was so cool when you I walk really... in. He's just like, who do you? Who the hell do you think let you in? I'm the insider. <laughs> and it's just like what? And then the you're mayor? like, and, and then you're like, wait, this feels sketchy. And then he was like, oh. You think I'm actually on their side when they stuck me in a closet in the library? I was like, he's just like, this fuck guy's these on our people. Side. I hate yeah. them so much. And it's just like, he's like showing you the footage. He's like, who do you think has been covering your entry? It wasn't exactly subtle, you idiots. And he's like showing all the camera so footage good. of them. He's it just like, so if I wanted you gone, you'd be gone. <laughs> I loved that moment. That was he so was good. great. I, I love Barrett what Domino. I, what I didn't know is that if you paid his assistant heart the 10,000 gil, you get Barrett's final weapon. Which I did not know. So that's a thing. I don't remember if I paid him or not. It's it's like the EMP gun. 
I don't think I paid him. I did not pay. I didn't have ten. I don't think I had to point. kill. Yeah, um, huh. but that was I'm a great have to moment. Play that again. Yeah, that, that yeah, was a great. Really, I, I like the assistant when he just shows up. Uh, avalanche, mm-hmm. I assume. I would assume, and it's just yep. like um, he's uh, like, "Come with me, come on." After you yeah. just, see, what did you think of that Shinra thing before that too? That video of like Neo Midgar. Yeah, like, that was some good propaganda dude, shit, dude. Dude, I bet we see that in an alternate timeline in the next game. Oh my god, are we just gonna timeline hop? Yes, it's it's oh it's god. like say what I you love will. This game, say I love what you will game. about. <laughs> The entire Final Fantasy 13 universe. Say what you will about it. I personally enjoyed 13. Um, 13 2 did alternate timelines really well. You skipped 13, around a I lot. feel like I need to play again. I, I feel like I, I'm obligated to go back yeah, to that one and give it another and, fair shake. And, and it's it's one thing that you and I talked about a little bit. How 7 Remake, in a lot of ways, is took a lot of what 13 did in terms of uh, such a heavy focus on the stagger meter. Um, it perfected that formula. It did. It did. And uh, in terms of the very, very beautiful world, but the very linear world as well. Like, I mean, it, also, come on. Lightning is the female version of Cloud. She even looks like Cloud. Yeah. And I like her, actually. I, 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 I actually like I actually did like Lightning. Lightning like, and uh, what's his what's his name? The guy who was voiced by Sarge. Saz. Was Zaz? Yeah, yeah. He, he was the yeah, other with, good one. With the baby choke uh, how, how, I did I didn't like how. Um, yeah, so, so that's the main thing about thirteen is that the cast isn't consistent. I like Lightning. Yeah. I like Saz. Um, I like um, not Vanille. Um, the other one. I didn't her, her hate Vanille as much Fang. as everybody else did. I really liked Fang. Um, see, I didn't care for Fang. I liked Vanille more than Fang. See, I just found Vanille's performance irritating, and interviews with her since then, she goes into, "I was directed that way, or else I would not have done those things," and I'm like. That's another reason why Square Enix, the voice direction in Remake, I Listen, wanted to yeah. emphasize so much at how good Thir- it was. I, I agree. And I think it's it's way better than 15 as well. Because uh, 15 had a good cast that I feel like was a victim of poor direction in a lot yeah. of cases. Yeah. Uh, 7 is not that issue. I don't know if maybe they brought in like... Uh, like a like an English director for their the localization is just incredible. The localization is next level, and it's it so important because like it, it was just this game was ready to go. You know, mm-hmm. like you could tell, like you could tell that this, like just the production quality on this game cannot be overstressed. They knew what this game meant. From the mm. beginning, you don't just make a Final Fantasy VII remake. They knew what they were dealing with, and I love that they respected it, they evolved it, and they delivered a product that was every bit worthy of all the hype. Yeah, yeah, and and just which and, is rare in this industry, as we're learning right now with Cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and just to go briefly back to the original point I was making with thirteen, I'm which. Sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. Which I I do think you should try again because I think it is an underrated game um, that has a couple of annoying characters, but ultimately is a great experience. Um, 13.2, which people generally liked a lot more, um, which was less kind of narrative story focused, more kind of open world. They did timeline skipping so well in that game. So you would go to... Uh, the same place in maybe two or three different timelines and you would see how dramatically different it was. That's one of the things that I hope they take just a little bit of where you would go to kind of the sprawling metropolis in the game 
in like modern day and it's this beautiful it looked a little bit like neo midgar just white this beautiful city and then you go to it like 500 years in the future and there was an attack at some point and it's just raining things are broken down you're going through the same streets you were going through before but things are just wrecked and i hope they do that sorry i clicked something just keep going okay um I but something by accident gotcha but i do hope that there is at least a little bit of timeline skipping in the next game. Anyway, we're almost done with the bosses, and then I kind of want to jump into some of the ending stuff. Yes. If that's yeah. cool with you. No, 100%. Because um, we're almost done with the bosses. Uh, the Arsenal, which was the big mech with the treads. Do you remember? I died him? to him the first time. Yes. Uh, because I messed up. Uh, but the second time I got him. Yeah. He was he, fine. He, he was, was fine. He, he was fine. He, he was a busy work boss. Yeah. Um. Next up was a boss that I felt like... Uh, just was too much of a damage sponge, which was when you're on the motorcycle, the motorball boss, where you have to slash at the wheels until it oh, becomes Oh, wait, 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 hold on. What was the other boss before this? The arsenal? The tread one. Oh, he wasn't bad. He just took a while. Yeah, um, he took a while. Yeah, no, I didn't die to him. No, no, no. I'm thinking of the guy on the highway. Oh, when you're on the motorcycle, you died to that yes, guy? Yes, gotcha, I died gotcha, to gotcha. him once. Uh, because I just got really low and I was sloppy with my dodges. Mm. Uh, and once I kind of figured out like, oh, like, you know, I can get around him and stuff. Like I was playing it stupid. And then once I kind of figured out what I actually had to do, he was easy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so next up was the Whisper Harbinger boss. The big Kingdom Hearts Heartless. Once you you thought that too? Okay, yeah. good. That was the most Kingdom Hearts fucking... But that actually kind of pissed me off a little bit. Because I was yeah. like, I didn't ask for Kingdom Hearts. It's a shared uh, universe. It was... It was, it was, it was, it was a, no. <laughs> it's another it was, timeline. It was, it, it was annoying to figure out like how to fight them. But once I figured it out and I was like, okay, like, you know, like basically they're each a representation of one of your characters. So, so, and then just kind so of... That's, that's what you think. That's what I thought. Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. So so you think that those are a representation of your characters. Because one has a a sword, one has a gun, one has a fist. So so the one... Okay, dude. This this blew my mind. So um, those whispers are actually the remnants from Advent Children. The three... The three remnants who kept trying to be Genova's favorite, but can never be that because you mean Kadage and his people. Yes, each whisper. Oh my god! What? Each whisper is equipped with a weapon that looks like it either belongs to Kadage, Lowe's, or Yazu, and with a ton of people pointing out that even their like fighting animations are almost pulled directly from Advent Children. Those are all still parts. Of this Sephiroth, or whatever it is. Oh my god. I never thought of that. Me neither. Me neither. And then way oh smarter god. people were like, these are like the same animations from the movie. They're pulling the whole Final Fantasy They're thing pulling everything together. They're pulling everything. Oh this my is- god, that is so fucking cool. Right? Right? No matter how, oh like, god. like, let's be real. Let's be honest for a second. Advent Children was kind of bad. It was kind of bad. The spectacle is good. The spectacle the was cool at the time. Content is bad. Yes, but like I'm cool with them doing this kind of stuff with it. Like, yeah, that it's is like dope as fuck. This, it's like the same animations and like, y- yeah, dude, it's the re- dude that is the so cool. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, those are basically the final. Well, then there's the Sephiroth final boss, which at first I was like, oh, this is. I feel like this is kind of like the Rufus one where I just can't hurt him. But then, like, once I got into it, and w- once the party members started joining one by one... Oh, my God, that's the I really best. Liked Every it. time they showed up, dude, I almost lost it. Every yeah. single time another one of them showed up. I love it. When they just come out of nowhere, and they're just like, I've got you back. And then Barrett starts shooting, and he's like, yo, I'm with you. And it's just like, oh, my God, yes. Yeah, I'm that's gonna why win this. Th- yeah, that's why I said, I think, like... I forgot which one I said it was. I've been talking so much. Uh, that one. So whatever I talked about before that might was be like gameplay wise. The other one was my favorite, but like combined gameplay and spectacle, the Sephiroth fight was good. incredible. Just the, it was the so good. Y- you get like both chills and just like warmth when the raw emotion, dude. When your friends like- join you. Of knowing they have your back in yep. like this crazy fuck because you get separated from them and like you're just fighting Sephiroth one v one and then just they start showing up and you know Aerith heals you and Tifa comes in and just like Barrett's shooting and he's just like yo I got your back and it's yeah. just like yes dude like this is like this is like the fucking family moment like this is the moment like the one good thing about Advent Children is though even though everybody like split up they wore those ribbons on their arm. And mm-hmm. that was like the reminder, those red ribbons they wore on their arm, every one of them wore it because it was to remind them of what they did together mm-hmm. when, you know, at, at the end of Final Fantasy VII. And I think that's a, a, a very much overlooked aspect of that movie of like when they come together in that movie, like that is huge. And it's just like when they come together, they just kind of pick up where they left off because that group is so tight. And they earned it, and like, it, it, and they earned it in Midgar this time, which is crazy. Um, mm. But like the 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 way they are together, like that just really kind of hit home for me. Of just like this group, and like just like my 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 love for those characters after all these years, just to kind of see that paid off like that uh, was just it was something else, dude. Yeah, it was yeah. it was just incredible, and I I couldn't ask for a better uh for for a better representation of that you know yeah so th- that's the final boss in the game now let's get into crazy sephiroth crazy end game story stuff like okay let's start oh, at the bridge here so yeah at, g- guide me guide me we're at I'm the scattered. end of the highway yes we're at the end of the highway and i'm losing my shit because they're standing at the edge and sephiroth is there and i'm thinking i'm gonna fight sephiroth and he walks through this portal and I'm just like, what the fuck? Is that the end of the game? And Aerith is just like, guys. Because at this point, now, based on what Ross has said, Aerith knows everything he does. And she is just like, guys, Sephiroth is a bigger threat to the planet than Shinra could ever be. Yeah. Like, nothing is more important right now. As the as the fucking whispers are like consuming the Shinra Tower. Like, she is just like, nothing is more important than going in here right now and fighting. Nothing is could be more important. And, she, you know, not Marlene, not anything. And she is just laying this down. She is like, we have to take destiny into our own hands. And I'm sitting there watching this scene. My mouth agape. I can't speak words. And just like a fucking... I fucking tear just starts running down my face. I'm just so overwhelmed. Like it was just, Oh my God. Just like the way they set this scene was just like, 
for a minute, you're like, yo, I've really got the fate of this game in my hands. And like, it was so good. And I'm it's just like, I almost couldn't handle it. It was so yeah. good. Yeah. It's, you walk it's like, through the portal. Oh, oh God. Sorry. Well, Go well even, even just before you walk through the portal, like, like we've talked about, Aerith seems to almost be a different person. Um, she's speaking to the party like she knows what's going on. And she like, knows about Meteor. She yeah. knows everything he plans to do. And and she knew enough to be able to, like, she casts something on it to make the portal, like, bright white and, like, I think safe for them to pass through. Like, how did she know how to do that? She knows everything she, yeah, at this point. She, her even and Sephiroth, if she doesn't know, even if she doesn't know everything, mm-hmm. she knows enough. Yeah, her and Sephiroth are the two beings who are tied closest to the planet and have the most knowledge of what is happening. And then they go through the portal. Because Sephiroth the whole time is way too calm. Like Sephiroth in yes, the first game not the is like calm, but like he's a little out of it. And yeah. like this Sephiroth just knows too well exactly what he's doing. Mm. Yes. And like you go through the portal and you just see it, they come through and they're like, did it work? Like it's still Midgar. And just the whole fucking like world collapses. And like they're thrown all around. Like, oh, quick there. question! Quick question for you: Do they? I I can't remember. Do they go back through a portal at the end of the game? I don't think so. I think they just get dropped off in whatever destiny they ended up in. So they, the reality okay. they're in. So oh, like, yep. are, are we going to talk about this now, or are we going to go in order? Sure. Like, I I, okay. I don't know. So listen, I don't know. So, so like, so, so, so Biggs listen. is alive. Here's is it in their timeline? I don't know. Here's, is Jesse alive? She's happened. at the gold here's, saucer. Sorry. No, go. I don't think Jesse is alive. I think Wedge died. Wedge is gone. Destiny caught up with Wedge. Destiny had been trying to catch up with Wedge ever since he survived because he he wasn't supposed to make it. Um. I think Biggs lived because they defied destiny. Do you think he's still in that original timeline? I think he's still there. And I think they broke something. Uh, I think by Wedge living, they broke it. And then Wedge dying allowed Biggs to live. Interesting, interesting, interesting. That's kind of where I'm thinking right now because we didn't really see Biggs die. He was hurt, but like, I don't know. He could have gone unconscious. Uh, uh, Somebody uh, found him and saved him, though. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like him and Jesse almost had the exact same thing happen where they made a speech and then they stopped and they're either that, either that, or he's in an alternate him. timeline where he lived instead of Wedge. Yeah. Okay, but and, anyway. Yes fucking all right long story short we fight the people who are kadaj and them we fight sephiroth cloud gets taken just like at the end of final fantasy 7 for the 1v1 fight against sephiroth at the edge of creation and sephiroth says this shit and he's just like what lies ahead has not yet been written and he holds out his hand to cloud he says cloud Help together we will defy join me. Together we will defy destiny together. All the while, the music from like the city of the ancients is playing in the background. Like, it's just this it's all like amazing scene. Like the music from where Aerith dies is playing in the background. Mm-hmm, 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 and it's mm-hmm. just like you see Cloud for just half a second, look at his hand, and then he's just like 
He grabs his sword, jumps back. He's like, never, because he's thinking about what Aerith told him. And he knows he can't join him. And they have a fucking Advent Children-ass fight. The music is intense. I fucking love it. I love everything about this scene. And then at the end, he says the shit. He just gets behind Cloud after he knocks his sword out of his hand. He's just like, seven seconds till the end. Time enough for you, perhaps. Which I thought was like some doomsday clock bullshit. But Ross apparently has a very different theory that sounds also good as well. Yeah, so as I was like scouring if just a suggestion if you want to go into like some theories with like a, someone who like super into the lore of final fantasy 7 i suggest watching the spoiler mode uh from easy allies where they had uh youtuber maximilian dude on there he understands the story on such a different level that i give most of all of the credit for anything i say over to him at this point because it's it's just genius. So the seven seconds line. Originally, a lot of people thought that he was referring to the seven seconds that it takes for um, Sephiroth to appear in the original game at the Temple of the Ancients to the time the sword goes through Aerith's back and she dies. But what people... I, I, I think someone said that... So... Quick side note that's related. Um, when you, As you play through the game, there are 60 manuscript pages. Um, you can only find 18 of them, I think, on your first playthrough. The rest of them you can only find uh, on a subsequent hard playthrough. And I think there's lore there. Um, but from what I was seeing other people say is that the seven seconds that he's referring to is the seven seconds it takes for Cloud to cast his final Omni Slash in the final boss fight of the original game. To, to the time where it finishes Sephiroth for good. And kind of the interpretation that some people are kind of drawing and that I think makes a lot of sense to me is that it's kind of hinted toward the, the final couple hours with some of the visions that the characters get of like straight up cutscenes from the, the original game and the ending of the original game with Red 13 and his children running 500 years in the future and everything is and mankind is no more like the seven seconds in that timeline of the original game humanity dies so what i'm kind of getting is that he's saying there's seven seconds to change things so humanity doesn't die basically in a way saying the ending of the original game is the bad ending of the story which makes sense because yeah. if you yeah. exclude Advent Children, the yes. implication at the end of that game, here's the thing, is the ending of Final Fantasy VII, and part of why I love it, is their plan fails. So their mm -hmm. whole idea is to get to the center of the planet, unlock Holy, and use Holy to destroy the meteor. That's what Bugenhagen tells them to do. That's the planet's last line of defense. If this can't do it, nothing can. It fails. And meteor is too strong. And Holy won't save the planet. And the life stream does. The planet takes over with Aerith. And she wills the planet effectively to... Which, that's another can of worms for another character. We don't... We get, we're not, not talking about that. We need to come back to that. Uh, with the whole Marlene thing. You're um, right, right, right. Yeah. We're going to go back to that. Yep. Um, but she wills the planet into action. And uses the planet to destroy Meteor. So they failed. Yeah. 
so the ending of Final Fantasy VII is everything you did didn't work. Yeah, and so and the planet did it itself. And what I find fascinating... And you you, you willed the planet to do it be, through yeah. Aerith. And what so I find... Sephiroth's fa- biggest mistake was killing her in the first place. Which yeah, is why I think he might not do it this time. Because he, if he knows everything that happened in that game, he yeah. knows that by putting her in the live stream, he's compromising any plan he has. Yes, jumping off of that, the Sephiroth we see who gives the seven seconds line doesn't. He seems very calm and collected. Sephiroth in the original game, kind of like we said, is kind of blinded and driven. He's kind of a madman. He's a madman, but this Sephiroth is different. What if? He becomes an ally in the next game because he knows everything. He, he obviously, if he's saying seven seconds and you can change things, he doesn't want what happened in the first game to happen, which he wanted to happen. What if he becomes an ally? Well, I don't like, know. Okay, so that assumes though that he doesn't care about Genova's plan anymore because his whole idea. Maybe this is, Sephiroth doesn't, or maybe. Or maybe he does, and maybe he knows that by going around them, it won't work. But maybe with them, maybe he can guide them on a path where it makes that plan more viable. He, he could 100% be manipulating them. That is, Which I think would be the way to go. And joining them would be a big step towards that by building trust. Yes, yes. It's, I like where your head's at. Yeah, what I would love to see, which won't happen, but... In one of these alternate timelines, in I would love to see some Crisis Core characters come back, some Genesis, some Angeal. I would love to see these characters come back and actually give Sephiroth some additional character development. Bring them. Bring. I would love if they brought those guys back. They won't bring Genesis back because he's the likeness of like a pop singer that they would have to pay a lot of money for again. I think, but they could definitely. Well, it doesn't bring matter. Back. No, but they could bring him back, and he just doesn't have to look like that. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't true. matter anymore. It's PSP graphics. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think? There's. I the love potential. what if so much. It's my favorite thing to yeah, do with I, anything. I, I know. God. What if they have spinoff games as part of this? I would love it. Yes. Like a uh, like an good ODST, spinoff games. <laughs> like, like, an ODST, like an yeah. ODST. Like an ODST. Yep. What if on the path to completing this, you get another team working on a side project that is just like, hey. What is Sephiroth up to right now? And like a game about that or a game about these other characters, you know, like a game about other people in the universe, you B- know, bro, the spinoff game is Zack's side. It's the ultimate listen, timeline I, with Zack. Listen, I, I think that's going to be part of the next game. I think they're going to split time. So here's the thing. Okay. Cloud fights Sephiroth. They go their own separate ways and they basically get transported back out. So they're on the edge of Midgar now. And I fucking love the song Hollow. I fucking love mm-hmm. the song that plays here. Uh, but at the same time as they get transported, you see Zack being confronted by the Shinra soldiers that are going to kill mm-hmm. him. And you see the whispers yep. or the, it's, the yeah, yeah, surrounding it's the, Shinra. The timeline we're playing in, in the game, that the whispers are trying to affect to make it like the original game. The, the timeline we're playing as is different enough to where the whispers, the, I mean, the final level is called the singularity. They end up showing up in all timelines, which affects all timelines, which is why Zach lives. Because we're breaking. Because we're, we're breaking. breaking the most yes. important timeline. We are yes. breaking the prime line. Yes. 
And so Zach lives, and Zach that's fucking huge. comes out and fucking he's just standing there like hanging on to the buster and He's like, wait, that's all of them. And then the rain starts where normally Cloud would walk up to the dying Zach and he'd be like, you're my living legacy. But fucking Zach picks up Cloud and starts walking towards Midgar. Yep. And, and okay. as the party mm-hmm. is departing, they're like, okay, we got to go. We have to stop Sephiroth. And they commit to chasing him down. Yeah. But Aerith. Aerith knows. Knows what's going on. She knows the rain. She knows this makes more sense now because it felt weird. Like she knew it was going to happen. She knew this is when Zach would die. Mm-hmm. She knew that this was the rain. Like when Zach died, because she knew, well, no, actually she would know either way because she felt it in the live stream. Right. But she right. knows that Zach dies when the rain starts I, I, and, and then one... he doesn't. And she feels him. Yeah. Carrying cloud into Midgar. And, and Zach kind of feels her. He knows and he smiles yeah. and she does not smile. Yeah. She seems really almost upset about it. Not in like, oh shit, Zach is alive. Maybe it's a little bit of like, I can't be with you. I'm sorry. Maybe it's a little bit of what have we done? I, yeah, I think it's kind of how I feel is yep. like, what have we done? So I'm wondering one of two things is happening right now. Either Zach is walking into the timeline we just broke. Or Zach is starting a brand new timeline. Those are the only two opportunities. He's either going back into the one we broke or he's starting a brand new timeline. One in which Cloud does not become the Cloud we know. Which makes me wonder now, in the prime timeline of our characters, did Zach ever exist? I I think so. Because if Zach doesn't die, Cloud doesn't become Cloud. Yeah, no, I think in the prime timeline, which... Wait, is the is the prime timeline the original game or the remake that we're no prime to? timeline is the timeline we're following with our main party in the in we the broke, remake we broke that one so now remake prime timeline okay. is whatever our characters are doing right now henceforth is the prime line yeah yeah I think I th- definitely think Zach existed and died in the prime timeline I still think that happens otherwise Cloud isn't who he is unless like, Cloud that, is exactly who he is. Because this Cloud does not... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In in the original game, Cloud has Zack's voice in his head. At no point in this game that I can remember, because I looked for it, Zack doesn't talk to Cloud in this game. You know, like when the screen goes black and Cloud's like talking to himself, kind of? That's Zack he's talking to in the original. He doesn't do that in this game. Yeah. What (laughs) if in this timeline shit's fucked and Zack didn't exist? What if Cloud became Soldier? I don't. I don't. I. I still think that for me, the biggest thing to refute that is when Aerith says his name, and he doesn't hear it because of the interference. Because from he doesn't Sephiroth. exist in this timeline. What if that's I, why? I don't think. I think he exists. In I'm this just time. saying. I, I okay. I'm just saying. It's, it's a possibility. It's not out of it's the possible. realm of possibility. No, it's not. Everything because what if that's what if that's the whispers trying to remove Zach from Cloud's memory? Because when he breaks time, now Zach doesn't matter in that specific context. In in my mind, the, the whispers interfered at that time because he wasn't supposed to realize that at that point. Which in is time. also yeah, I, I I'm 
I know I'm going crazy oh, yeah. in your no, direction. No, I get it. But no, like, I'm w- I'm I, I it. think it's I'm it. like, what if though, what if what they did effectively like cancels out that past in a way? It could happen. And it what if Cloud is exactly who we think he is? I think at some point in the next game, I think we have two parties kind of like Final Fantasy VIII with Laguna. And I think there's going to be a point. Time. I think there's going to be a point where the two timelines intersect. And I think that's going to be the reckoning. Cloud seeing cloud. Cloud seeing cloud. I think that's when everything happens. That's when everything falls apart. That's when everything. Yeah. That's when just everything. That's. Oh my God. I can see it. Imagine this. Imagine this in the next game. Okay. Cloud's party is doing something. Okay. Zach walks in on the broken timeline. Shit's fucked up. So Zach goes out to figure out what's going on. He's like, hey, I sensed Aerith. I think I know where she's going. He goes out and does something. Impacts what they're doing. And they start to figure out some shit's going on. And they, Zach starts to realize, hey. You know, when I did this, they did that. And then when they did that, I could do this. And Zach realizes like, oh shit. We're like, Zach, I feel like Zach is going to be the one to figure it out. Just because Cloud mm. and them aren't thinking about it. They're focused on Sephiroth. Zach is going to be focused on figuring out what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Because Zach I mean, doesn't exist anymore in that timeline, you know? Because c- so. c- I mean, to the, to the current, to the current party in remake, um, like, the only person in that party who really knows a ton about Sephiroth at the end of the game is Aerith. Because at that point, she's well, Cloud, like... Cloud knows what he knows, but yes. like Aerith Cloud knows, knows what he knows. Er, Cloud knows about Sephiroth, but Aerith understands his motives, I think. Yeah, is, which, is is why, which is why she's so set on going after him to take him down. And yeah. I think in the other timeline, we see everything that happens in Crisis Core... Zack knows Sephiroth almost better than anyone. So, and I think in that timeline... So do you think it's just going to pick up... So new. So you're thinking new timeline. He's not going I'm, into the timeline we just broke. He is uh, going into the timeline where Cloud would become Cloud, except he's alive. It's it, it's like an endgame when Hulk and the Doctor Strange mentor is on the roof, and he takes away one of the gems, and it... And it creates a branch off that timeline. So that timeline, that original timeline, basically, like, ends and branches off. I almost want to think about it as Zack overwriting that timeline. See, I don't think it's that because it's the Whispers that override the timeline. But the the Whispers, they're gone now. We broke them. They're gone now, but they're the catalyst for what created the original timeline and why but what Zach I'm saying lived. is I think we broke them and I think we broke time in such a way that they can't fix it because Zach is alive. Yeah, no, so I, yeah, I, I, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm saying that I don't think Zach broke the timeline. No, no, think, no. Zach did. We did. Okay. Yes. We broke yeah, yeah, time yeah. team. Yes. Team cloud broke the timeline. Yes. We already, we, I, we yes. took it. We stepped on it. It's crushed. It's never coming back. Okay. So let's assume then, okay, because I was thinking either Zach, so so what do we think? Is Zach walking into the timeline they just broke, or is Zach continuing on the timeline where okay. he's dead, but now he's alive? That's the two branches I, at this I, point. I, I, I think it's the latter. I think it's... Okay, so I think, I think what's happening, I don't think it's a branch as much as he's just going to kind of override 
mm-hmm. what would normally happen. So okay. basically, yeah. Final I was getting Fantasy twisted. VII, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I was getting okay. it twisted in my I'm mind. Final I agree Fantasy with you. VII, but Zack is the main character, and Cloud also happens to be there, but is not the main character. Cloud's en- like, Cloud ends I, up as a chef in the cafeteria. I yes. want the next game to start with Zack on the bombing mission. He Can jumps off the train with Barrett. Can you imagine? And that's how the game starts. And he's just like, like he's already talked to Aerith. Aerith knows what's going on. She's the constant throughout all the timelines. Mm, Aerith yeah. is involved. She's there somehow. Like he smuggled her on the train and he's just going to be like, Cloud did this. And it's just going to be like, he did what he had to do, you know? You know, and it's just going to be like kind of going through that. That'll probably be like the one kind of repeat thing. Obviously abridged. This is this is dream here, okay? Like this is me yep. just making shit up as I go. Yep. And then from there, that's when shit starts to diverge. Zach doesn't go on the Sector 5 mission. He doesn't do that. He goes in a different direction cuz he's just like he wants to kind of see set up Cloud, but then Cloud's like, "Hey, I can do it." And he's like, "Yeah, you go on the Sector 5. I got some shit I got to take care of." And then maybe he bails them out at the Airbuster thing. Yeah, basically But like eventually I, I want to imagine a scenario where he takes that party and he pursues our prime team and they affect each other because he's like doing things and what they do affects him and what he does affects them. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, I think starting off the next game with the bombing run again, but with Zach, it's almost like an MGS five kind of thing where, and then all is, and then so I don't want to like basically play remake again, but with Zach. I just want it to start off. Him I, I think starting off the it off, train, that would and be, then Barrett being like, yes. "Come on, come on, Merc," you know, and yeah. just having Zach jump down. And, and then Zach is happy go lucky. Yeah, and Zach is. And Zach's Zach just gonna is, be like, "Whatever you say, boss." And he's and, gonna be like, "Yeah, whatever it, I say." <laughs> yeah, and one of my favorite things about Zach, especially from Crisis Core, is that he's kind of the proxy for the audience of all the weird stuff going around. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's stupid. Like he's the proxy. (laughs) And I feel like that could also translate well into the next game. But one clever thing that I think they did, which I didn't pick up on when I watched the ending cutscene, as Zach is carrying cloud away after he lives the, that there's that chip bag that flies up in the camera. And I was like, why are they showing the chip bag? There's Stamp the Dog that we've been seeing. But if you look at it, it's a different dog breed with a different hat. Just kind of confirming that it is an alternate timeline or an alternate universe. Okay, so we're, subtle, definitely, so we're definitely not in the primetime universe. Correct. The, yeah, the Stamp. He, so he yeah. is, let's assume he is back in prime timeline. Or like, final, okay. OG timeline. Let's assume right now, let's call it OG. That's original Final Fantasy VII. Zach yes, is in OG yes. timeline. Yes. That, New yes, team that is, the is in prime timeline, which is somehow started off different. In so- Something fucked up somewhere. Probably Sephiroth getting involved from a different timeline. Knows everything. He got involved and splintered the timeline. So yes. he ripped them off of OG and then they basically like OG was trying to take it back with the whispers and then they basically said no. So now we've got two fully established timelines. Yes. That's what I, I want to see at. a world where Zack and Cloud are more or less on the same mission. But while Cloud is doing what he thinks is saving the planet, Zack is trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And they, yeah. they interact with each other indirectly via actions they do in each other's timelines. Because now they're both breaking whatever they're doing. 
Yeah. So anything so they do to, from here on out is broken. Yeah. So there has to be some sort of there has to be some sort of ability to interact with other timelines in some way. I think, I think it's gonna. I I, I, can I think Aerith is the conduit. Thing. Yeah, she's she's gonna be aware of everything, and Aerith is probably gonna like have moments where she's gonna be like, "Oh my god, you know they're close. We have to hurry." You know, I, I, and it's I, gonna be I think, stuff like that. I I think there's an Aerith in every timeline, but I think it's the same Aerith. Is there also a lighthouse? There is a lighthouse in every timeline as well. There's a lighthouse. There's always a girl. There's always a lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. but there's I think the city. Yes, thank you. But I think. There is an Aerith in every timeline, but I think it's, they're all sharing like one consciousness and one okay. joint awareness of everything connected that's happening. Connected through the planet, through the life connect, stream. Connected so through get, the life stream. So let's assume at this point then, however many Earths exist, they're all connected to one life stream. That's the constant. Yes. Is the life that's stream. That's the constant. And Aerith is basically the proxy for the planet, which is why she's the, also so, the constant. Maybe the Sephiroth we're dealing with isn't a different Sephiroth. Maybe it is the same Sephiroth, just with the knowledge, and now he is, you know, influencing that Sephiroth. Which Sephiroth? OG Sephiroth or Prime Sephiroth? So yeah, OG Sephiroth is dead. Assuming everything went according to plan. OG Sephiroth dies. Right. Cloud kills him. He returns to the life stream. Yes. That's how he goes to become... That's how Kataj becomes... Sephiroth is because he finds him in the live stream when he merges with the Genova thing. That's how Sephiroth comes in Advent Children. Mm. That Sephiroth, fully aware of everything, finds a way to communicate with Sephiroth in our new prime line. Yes. Wills him via the live stream. Doesn't like, you know, it's not a different, it's a different Sephiroth, yes, but he's influenced by OG Sephiroth. That's how he knows what he's doing in the same way that Aerith can tap into the live stream and can realize that, hey, here's what happened already and how we need to stop it. But Aerith's information is limited because she died in that timeline and she knows how it ends via the live stream, but she she probably has blanks in there. Chris. Chris. (laughs) Yeah? Am I a genius or like... I don't I'm know going, what, what did I'm, I do? I'm, uh, uh, no, it's not you. It's not you. It's... Dude. You know how we had the conversation that Marlene could be etc. Yes. Yes. Let's. We can talk about that. Marlene if, is 100% etc. What if she is an Aerith from another timeline? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. It just I don't want to just head. shoot you down. I don't want to shoot you down. No, that's fine. That would be, I just popped that would into be my head. Absolutely nutty. It, it would be like the really first cool instance of the the timeline screwing up, and and a being from see, one timeline into if Marlene another. Marlene wasn't in the OG timeline. I could see that, but okay, Marlene exists in the OG timeline. Yeah, it just popped the, into my the head. Other, it just the new soldier head. guy that could be a sign of the timeline breaking. Roche. Yeah. Yeah. That could be a signal of the timeline breaking. Mm. Like a lot mm. of that stuff. I think the only constant is the life stream. And the only two people who can access it right now, assume, well, two and a half, um, Sephiroth and Aerith are the two people with access to it. Sephiroth probably has the most knowledge of it because he spent the most time in it. Mm. Aerith has her living memories from up until Sephiroth killed her. And then she probably has a limited amount of information up to the point where she saved the planet. 
You have right. to assume there's blanks. So she knows the overarching thing. She knows that Sephiroth was planning Meteor. I don't think she would necessarily have the knowledge through the live stream. You know, I'm assuming that she knows Sephiroth's plan and she knows what she died with. Yeah. Let's just assume you have the knowledge up until the point you die. Yeah, which I, I, I guess in that way, like if we're saying the live stream is the one constant, are we saying that well, it's the same on. live stream assume- throughout all timelines? So hold on. Are we assuming that Advent Children is canon? I, I think we are. Okay, never mind. Because Sephiroth definitely knows shit he shouldn't know when he comes back in Advent Children. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think... I feel like he does. I, yeah, I think espe- especially if those if those three things you fight are actually the remnants from Advent Children, I think Advent Children is being considered canon. Okay, so if Advent Children is canon, that they do maintain all the knowledge they gain while in the live stream. So yeah, Aerith is fully aware then. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So let's assume that the live stream decided, the planet decided that Aerith needed to know what was going on so that she could change shit. Because mm. Sephiroth was already doing it. Right. Right. Assuming that they are the same, then yes. I am with you, excuse me, now on the idea that she is going to see Zach and she's just going to be like, I was expecting you or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That'll be cool if that Mm -hmm. happens. Oh my God. I just want to know where they're going with this. Yep. And we're not going to know for like probably three years, three or four years. I hope it's sooner than that. I would think they have the engine closer, closer to two. Because yeah, they've already built it, two. and they've been they've been planning this one since before this came out. They haven't had the full team on this the whole duration up to launch. Yeah, so uh, they've been the, working. On they've conf- part two. they've confirmed it's been in development for a yeah. while now. Um, so, like, I would like to think two years. Every two years would be a good cadence. Hold on, when in the original game, uh, when Sephiroth sprouts the one wing, what color is it? purple it's just like in the the smash reveal okay uh i don't know hold on because i was trying to think if the wing was ever white it's purple it's purple but he has the white fat hold on let me send you this this is Sephiroth from the One-Winged Angel fight. Okay. Let me open it. Okay, so, so yeah. He has, like, the purple Actually, red. one of the wings is... Or is that part of the wing? Yeah. No, yeah. That's just part of the wing. Part of it is white, but it's mostly purple. So, like... The rest the, of him is white from, like, the torso... From under the torso. That's all white. Right. Right. So... The, Oh man. Okay. Yeah, I was confused. For some reason I thought like in the original game the wing was white and in this game the wing was black. So like different Sephiroth like or has he changed? Like what is happening? But no, cuz it was black think. in Advent Children was, as well. It was black in Advent Children. Okay. Okay. And Advent Children is part of the OG timeline. Assuming yes. it's canon, Advent Children is part of the OG timeline. Yes. Yes, yes. But yes. like a weird part of the OG timeline where everyone survives. Right, right. Which I don't think was originally canon. Okay. Gotcha. Because, like, the 500 years later thing is what kills it for me, 
because like there's a lot of people still living in Midgar. I don't think people would just abandon Midgar, but maybe they would. I don't know. 500 years is a long time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so we talked about how Marlene is probably a Cetra, uh, because yes. she definitely when she when she touches Aerith in this game, she goes to say something, and then Aerith just tells her to shush. Right before they meet Sung. Mm, yeah. Almost as if, like, don't tell anyone you can do this. And also referencing the original game, at the end, when the live stream comes out, she says, Is it her? Talking about Aerith. Almost as if she can feel her through the live stream. Yeah. So there is a good chance that Marlene is at the very least Marlene is probably a Satra. I feel like it's a pretty if, safe bet to be honest. At, at least to the same extent that Aerith is. Now here's the other difference though. Aerith is not a pure blood. Aerith had a regular human father. Yes. Which would mean is Marlene is also not pure blood, but Sephiroth I believe is. So Sephiroth is I, pure blood Cetra. But so he on. would have way more influence over the live stream than even she would, which would explain how he could use the live stream to travel around if he wanted to change timelines and stuff like that. Hold on, hold on. Because uh, he's the the son of Genova, who was like, I think Genova. Well. Hold on, let me let me bring yeah. let me bring up a wiki because I'm I'm seeing in one place that like it was a combination of Genova and Hojo's DNA. In which case, oh, maybe that's be... what it was. So he would also not be pure blood. I thought he was more. Pure... Okay. But isn't Genova also like an alien? Yes. So like, does that hinder his able his ability to connect to the life stream? She is a it very powerful like alien. It. But she is a very powerful alien. She is yeah. a very world destroy powerful alien. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Man. Oh, there was one crazy theory that I was kind of into. I have to find it again. Um, but, like, you, you know how it, they've confirmed that 7 and 10 are in the same universes. They have in the same universe. It. It's I, been implied, but it has I don't think it's been confirmed by Square. I thought it had been confirmed by the game directors. Hold on. Oh. I I, I remember people seven. wanted them to, but I feel like they've always said that they're separate universes. It's just a coincidence. See, I thought 10 took place way in the past. That's the theory and that the kid named Shinra, you know, eventually forms the Shinra Electric Power Company. And learns about Mako. So let's say let's say that just for what if sake, what it if doesn't it says, mean. I was just gonna say it doesn't mean yeah. that they couldn't have changed their mind, and now they that could be canon now for all we know. Right, right. Like hypothetically, if they do go forward with that, they could like what if they bring in other characters that got lost in the timeline. And we get like an Orin or something, or there's like a like Sin that's... reference. 
I feel like, I like that's... I, a, a reference would be fine. I think a reference yeah. would be cool. I think bringing in a character kind of loses focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's me. I, I'm also like you're talking to a guy who's a diehard Final Fantasy VII fan. I don't watch yeah. Final Fantasy X in my Final Fantasy VII. Um, yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. like a, a reference could be cool. Like yeah. it, it, if, if they want to imply that they do, that's cool. If they want to make that canon, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't think that bringing an Orin in adds to that story. Um, um, but, you know, I haven't seen it. Maybe they do, and then it's really cool. Yeah, so so I did find something. So um, Kazushige Nojima has worked on 7, 10, 10, 2. He's worked on all of them. Um, in the Final Fantasy X Ultimania books, he suggests that Final Fantasy X 7 takes place thousands of years later. In a making of video for Final Fantasy X, Kitase, the director of the original Final Fantasy VII and a producer on X, X2 and Remake, refers to the theory as Nojima's unofficial secret history. So, See, I've heard that. I've yeah, heard that part. Yeah, yeah, unofficial yeah. secret what, history. Yeah, I just, I knew it had come from someone from Square. Um, so it depends so, on how Square wants to play it. Their, yeah, their director I, I, I think, believes that they should be the same. The producer is like, oh, you know, they, it could be. I don't know. But it's I, not I think, official. Yeah, I think a reference could be cool. Um, I think if, this, if they're ever going to make it canon, this is your opportunity. It, yeah, now's the time. Throw in a reference time, to bring back Blitzball. Timeline doesn't matter, so anything can happen. Like, what if this is the gateway to connect all the Final Fantasy games? What if, this has been the plan if, all along. What if the ancient, What if the City of Ancients is Anarchant? I was literally just about to say that. Do, 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 do. I'm just saying when Yuna is sending, it looks a lot like send like the live stream and sending sending souls to the live stream. I'm telling you, man. I know. I know. Uh, trust me. I've been up on the theory of that. I, I've trust me. I am more than familiar with that theory. Oh, tomorrow at work, I'm going to be watching a lot of are these two games connected and just seeing people grasping at straws and I'm going to be eating it up I'm just <laughs> slurping it all up just what being like yeah dude like is. imagine if they did that and like what if all the final fantasy games are secretly connected yes that's what i'm saying this is the time to do it they've been building to this moment to connect all the games together this is it this is what they've been and building just, toward for the past 20 what years what if it's all just some broken fucking timeline and this is the this is how they broke it what if Final Fantasy VII Remake is the story of how they broke the timeline and all the Final Fantasies exist? Yes. All right, that's... Oh, we're going to be really disappointed. <laughs> we just made the best game ever, and it's never going to happen, Ross. I thought Final Fantasy VII Remake was impossible. I'm going to get three more Advance Wars games before we ever get that. <laughs> I'm going to get Mega Man Legends 4, 5, and 6. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh man. Deep Down is gonna come out before that happens. Remember that <laughs> shit? That was a PS4 reveal game. We're gonna get Half-Life 3. You know, before. after Alex, that's not I don't think that's so crazy anymore. Yeah. yeah. I bet you I bet you someone at Valve is looking at the success of Alex and saying, we have to make that game. Yeah. I bet you someone's doing it. Someone is making that game at Valve. Man. Man. 
Yeah. Is there anything else like I, I we got into a lot of theory crafting at the end here? Is there anything else like spoiler wise? Is there anything else we want to touch on in the game that we feel like you know we we really should? Um, um, I know we wanted to talk. I know you wanted to talk gameplay. I don't know if we talked enough about it for you or if uh, that was like yeah, we could touch briefly on it. Um, we kind of talked about it during the bosses, but um, I started off not liking the gameplay very much. Um, I felt kind of the same. And then as the game progressed, I started to like it more and more. I think the reason why I have I had those gripes, like the focus targeting system not being there, was because I liked it so much. And I think it's a couple small changes away from being like almost perfect. Um, but um, yeah, I really ended up liking it. I think that they they have an issue a little bit of, and it was an issue in the original game too, where by the end of the game, you have so much materia you don't use and just sitting there. Like if they could figure out a way to either like reuse or combine them into a more powerful materia or something. Cause at the end of the game, I had so much materia and I barely used most of it. Um, I think that could be something they could work on. Um, for the next game. And we haven't, haven't even talked about like, obviously the first game was in Midgar and it, it was in, in most cases, like the vast majority, it was incredibly linear, but we see at the end, them going outside of Midgar and people have been theorizing it could change into like an open world game. Kind of like FF 15. Like we Which don't I know like what type lot. of game, it, like we don't know what type Fan of game here. it's going to be. Like <sighs> if, if you're talking about, if this is going to be a trilogy and if, this it is might have be to most... be more than that. If if this no. was Midgar, yeah, it might be. It could be as many as four or five games. But if but, they're all this good, it's worth it. And as just far as think I'm about how ambitious it would be if, at least, not necessarily each game, but if they flipped so hard from the first game being so linear and then the second game being open world. But if they could still somehow maintain. The narrative, which is the biggest problem in open world games, is maintaining the narrative and not and like making enough side content to be interesting, but ultimately I mean, not taking away from the main storyline, which is a problem in so many open world games. If they can keep the level of side content that they had in Final Fantasy VII Remake, because like I think it was good. It was a good enough amount that it like it never felt like too much. You never felt like you were doing a bunch of busy work, even though you were. Like you did a couple things and then you're back to the main story, you know? Um I think, you know, what what you'd have to look at is you look at the original and the thing was is that in the original it was open on the map, but it was linear because you really just had destination after destination, you know? It was you're going to this town, the next up on the map is this town, the next up on the map is this town. So you could keep that kind of pacing while opening up the world a bit. Um and, and, and introducing, like, you know, I think it'd be cool, you know, like, have a stop at Fort Condor and make that a big side quest, you know? And, like, hey, we need our funding for this war and have a big cinematic war, you know, with Shinra. Like, that'd be dope. Um, and, like, you know, you're, you're... I'm just trying to think of where they would stop. And yeah, I feel because... like the next game has to at least go to the end of Disc 1. Yeah, and like, I think the side quests in this game, I think it was the perfect amount. But my worry is if they would go open world, they would have to multiply that by so much to Not in order to populate. 
to populate an open world, you need to have a lot more stuff to do than you did in this first game. It doesn't need to be side quests, though. You can have stuff that you could just go and discover, like, you know, random caves and stuff like that, that have rewards at the end. You can do that without having side quests, uh, which I I know. I, I, I understand what you're saying. It's, it still takes away you... from the pacing of the narrative. That's what I'm most worried about. If they do go in an open world direction, the more distractions you put out. And that's the out, thing is like, you know, just don't make, you don't have to make the world so open. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can, there are ways to make an open world and kind of make it a little more linear. Like, I think a good example is like, a, you know, Spider-Man, you know, Miles Morales. Like that's an open world, but it's not too open you know and if you divide it into chunks because here's the thing you got the first chunk that we're going to where we're going to the city and then we're doing the chocobo thing we're going through the cave then we got the world is already divided into chunks ross so the chunk after that is going to be juno and it's going to be um uh 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 god what the hell am i trying to say um not like calm fort condor fort condor yeah but yeah. I, I guess so. That's guess another my, chunk. So basically, you're just making a bunch of smaller open worlds that you don't have to fill with as much stuff. Yeah, I guess my question is, do they tackle it in the 15 route, or do they tackle it like in the 10 route, where there's no like overworld to travel between? You basically teleport to these areas, and then the areas are there in and of themselves. Like, it, what worries me is if it is you traveling around an overworld map, the pacing just being completely lost. If it's going from zone to zone without a large connective world to explore, I think that's very different. If you know what I'm saying. I'm ju- yeah, I'm just saying, I think there's going to be like, there. there's going to be chokes. There's going to be where you come in and that's one choke. And then at the other end is the other choke. Like when you enter the cave and what you mm-hmm. do in between there is free for you to explore is how yeah. I think they would approach it. And then you go into the next big area, which has your two major locations. One of them is plot relevant, and one of them is going to be just side mission. And then the plot one will have side quests and stuff that'll encourage you to go back out into the open world and engage with that stuff, but it's not going to be so open that you're going to, you know, go I'm going to go off to, you know, fucking the other half of Skyrim, you know, to go find something cool. It, I don't think it's going to be that level of open. I think they're going to kind of let you loose in an area. You're going to do what you need to do in that area. And then they're going to kind of funnel you into the story. Mm -hmm. So there'll be enough to do to be worth exploring, but not so much that they take you out of the story. It'll be worth going around and seeing the sites and finding a couple secrets and then, you know, anything you miss, that's the, the that's the beauty. Chapter select. Right. You know? Right. And you just go back, and if you missed a secret, you go back and get it later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And That's how I look uh, at it. And I'm going to send you this picture real fast, because it could be an Easter egg in Remake, or it could be confirmation of the connection of the universes. That picture is found on a plaque in the museum part of Shinra HQ. All right, yeah, that's that's intentional. I've seen that picture, but I didn't I didn't put it together with the Shinra kid. Yep. Yeah, that's intentional. Like, is is the mask passed down from generation to generation? Is it like is it just an Easter egg because they know that the theories have been that the universes <laughs> ten and seven are connected, or is it confirmation? For now, it's just an Easter egg. It's confirmation in my heart. But. 
I it, it depends on how many like one Easter egg is just an Easter egg. Two yeah. Easter eggs is a theme. You know, three Easter eggs is what are you trying to tell me? And four is all right. This isn't an Easter egg anymore. Yeah. This is a plot line. You know. This game is exciting. The fact it that is. like half of the spoiler cast became theory crafting. Um, yeah, the, f- the fact that they didn't just remake it beat for beat and they made it their own while still preserving and respecting the original. It's 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 a masterclass in remakes in terms of like how to take up a beloved thing because like you know you look in you know I I think you know Resident Evil Two is a very different kind of because re- I think that's the other like big top tier remake of this generation uh, mm-hmm. where you look at it like you look at Shadow of the Colossus and that's by the book shot for shot remake right you look at Resident Evil Two which is a remake but with a modernization they took that original story and they f- they freshened it up they added a lot of modern features to it and they made it that game but modern. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII is a complete re-envisioning of that game. It's, what if we made that game right now? What would it look mm-hmm. like? Not yeah. just visually, not just gameplay, but like, what would we do with that world knowing what we know now? Mm-hmm. And yes. I feel like Final Fantasy VII is the most extreme version of that without rebooting. Because short of that, you're rebooting. Right. You know? Right. Um, yeah. It's, I, I feel like those are like the three kind of perfect examples of remakes and like Final Fantasy 7 is just like in that league kind of on its own because I can't think of another remake that went that far as to like everything I wanted to remember from it was there, but all the new stuff is what kind of keeps me thinking about it, you know? Yeah, it's one of, if not the most ambitious remake that's ever been made. And it's not um, even done. Yeah, it's not even done. We're, um, we're just getting started. What what comes next has not yet been written. Yeah, very meta by Sephiroth, but very true. <laughs> very meta, man. Um, but yeah, as the more I talk about this game, the more it kind of solidifies that um, it's passed up Hades for me, and it's my it's my number two game of the year, hands down. Your number two. Um, yeah, yeah. It passed Hades. It, it passed eighties, yeah. What the fuck is your number one? Last of Us. Oh, okay. Well, it, Last of Us. Okay. Yeah. Game yeah. of the Year Bef- talk is going to be very interesting, but we'll see if my opinion changes. Uh, we'll see how my opinion changes when I finish Last of Us Part Two, which will be it, our next spoiler cast, by the way. It it will be. Yeah, it's going into Game of the Year. I know that. I know that. <laughs> Obviously, Final Fantasy VII is going to be your game of the year. I'm going I, to be again, very. I'm warning you now. I'm going to be very emotional when I'm talking about this game. Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah. Uh, I am. I am beyond emotionally invested in this game. Yeah. It, it so is, it, I cannot separate my personal feelings from everything else about this game. It yeah, is impossible. Yeah, and up until the last few days when I finished the game, I knew I liked it. I didn't know I would like it this much. And I didn't think it would pass Hades, but it's past Hades. Um, so I'm, I am honestly just thrilled that you you seem to like it as much as I did. Yeah, because like yeah. I really I, I was half expecting you to come out of it and be like, yeah, it was fine. You know, it was Final Fantasy VII, but more. But like, I love 
that like, cause I kept talking to Ross for months. I'm like, dude, like I need, we need to do a spoiler cast for this. And he's like, oh, well I haven't finished it yet. And I'm like, well, I need you to finish it. And he's like, yeah, I'll get around to it. I'll play it eventually. And then like, we made the ultimatum. And ever since then, like I've been getting the texts and it's like, he's been showing me, all right, this is a chapter. This is a chapter. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm progressing. And like every time the further he got into the game, getting more in depth text messages of like, what the fuck is this? What is going on? Hey, hold on. This show was really cool. What is going on? You know? And like, and then at the end, he's just like, okay, we got to do this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that's kind of where my perspective is at with you and the last of us. Like, I think you'll come out of it saying it's fine. I don't know if everything in that game will work for you. I hope it does. Um, well, I didn't but, think this would all work for you and it did. So, you know, at this point I'm optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for, for me, even after playing this and, um, and like I mentioned right before we started recording, I started Half-Life Alex this morning and I want to, I do want to get through a good chunk of Tsushima before, I would like to get through a big chunk before we do game of the year. Um, because I know it, I, th- I think that would be up for a few awards um, and it would be deserving for what it's um, worth. I'm going to have a lot of extra time this week. So I might just that's, that's try and power through the last of us, which I, I do warn you against. Um, it's an incredibly emotionally draining experience. Um, and How do you think cast, I felt playing Final Fantasy VII, Ross? It's very different. It's I know, a lot but of like I, sadness I was, and numbness. Yeah, and I was very overwhelmed with emotions playing. Dude, I literally fucking like couldn't talk, and so like I had to cry. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. I know, I know. My yeah. body is not ready. Uh, but it is as ready as it will ever be. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, for me, Final Fantasy VII is, like, right there for my game of the year. Um, Last of Us Part Two was, for me, a game and an experience to where I were, sat on were, my couch for an hour after I did, after the final cutscene, and I sat there in silence for an hour just like thinking to myself. We're giving him too much game of the year talk here. But, uh, gonna, uh, we got to get uh, him to come back. Uh, no, no, no one's no one's going to listen this far into this thing. It's been a whirlwind, man. <laughs> Who's sticking around till the end oh, of this? God. Just us. <laughs> Every it's worth it. It's it worth is. it. I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> God, it's just like uh, this game is just like it, it. It is truly, and I say this wholeheartedly. It is not a flawless game. It is not perfect. Mm. It has its issues. Um. More so, like, I I would, you know, in terms of, like, if you're talking, like, raw, like, as crazy as it might sound, if you're talking, like, in terms of, like, raw pacing and, like, enjoyment I can get out of every moment of playing it, you know, if you're talking, like, enjoyment per minute, I'd probably say Hades is, like, a, you know, a a, a more enjoyable game overall, Mm -hmm. but it's, like, the the impactful moments of this game, the, the highs are so high and the lows aren't low enough to take that away. Yep. You know? Yep. And like, that's the big thing. It's just like when this game hits a high, it hits a high, like no other. And and that's especially true for me as like just such a long time fan. And like to see that final battle with Sephiroth and to see it play out like it did in final fantasy seven to go through the, the tunnel with the different like worlds and shit going to the edge of creation, having that camera pan in as it flashes back and forth between them as the music intensifies, And I was just like, Oh my God, like I'm sitting there and I'm holding my controller. I'm like, am I, am I playing this? Is this a cutscene? I don't understand what's going on. You know? 
Yeah. And yeah. I'm panicking because I'm like, do I need to fight him? Do I need to push Omni Slash? <laughs> it's yeah. just um, God, it's so good. I'm there with I, th- I think 2020 may be one of the best years for games ever. For everything that happened. Yeah. And for as much as I thought 2020 was going to be such a flat year for game, 2020 has been one of my best, most enjoyable years for games. And like I, and and it's funny because it's a year in which Destiny has kind of been a little flat. Um, mm-hmm. So I spent a lot less time playing that and a lot more time playing other stuff. Um, and like 2020 has like some games I'll never forget the first time I played them. Mm-hmm. And for me at the top of the list is always going to be like, I listen every day. On my way home from work, I hit a certain point on the highway where I'm listening to a podcast, and I'm like, I want to listen to Genova. I want to listen to Seven Seconds Till the End. I want to listen to Hollow. Like, I'll be walking around at work, and, like, the music will start playing in my head, you know? And it's just like, this game has stuck with me in a way that I, I like, in a way that I can't remember the last game that did that to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause it's just yeah. kind of, it's just kind of taken over mm-hmm. and you know, w- with all the delays and all the BS going on with some of these other games, I can just sit back and be like, yo, final fantasy seven remake happened. And it yeah. was literally everything I could have asked for and more. I cannot mm-hmm. think of a way they could have made the game better. Uh, you know, uh, on a, on an overall level. You know, you can nitpick here and there, but I can't think of a way narratively that I would look at it and be like, you should have done this better. I I just left it like so completely satisfied. Yeah. And that's the biggest, it's the greatest praise I can offer is that like, I am so satisfied and I am so excited to see what happens next. Uh, yeah. Like they, they took my favorite game of all time. The most dangerous thing you can do to someone is take their favorite thing and change it. And they did it in a way that I think it is superior to the original. Uh, just in terms of the narrative, it, you know, it, assuming narratives are equal between the two, because, you know, you, it's hard to talk combat and graphics for over sure, 23 sure. years. But assuming yeah. you hold the narratives on an equal level, I think this game surpasses the original in almost every way. Yeah. In the care, I I have never felt a stronger emotional connection to these characters. Uh, I have never felt a, mo- a stronger emotional connection to the story, to the world, uh, to, to everything this game is about. And like, if I could shake Square Enix's hand, COVID or not, I would do it. <laughs> yeah. They don't even need to wash their hands. I'll take care of that later. But like, <laughs> I, I want to shake their hand. This is more yeah. important than like shaking the guy wearing the Singularity shirt in the bathroom and packs his hand. <laughs> Oh, so that I was think, weird enough. Does that bring us to the end of the, the spoiler cast? Yeah, I, I feel like we didn't spoil as much as we could have. We just really wanted to talk about the game. Yeah. Maybe we yeah, shouldn't call the, these spoiler. Maybe we like, maybe we, we call these, let, let's talk about it. <laughs> Stop. Let, let's um, talk I, I, about no, live. No, because we, spoil, we spoiled the ending. We spoiled, we spoiled, spoiled yeah, a lot we did, of stuff. We spoiled, we spoiled enough. We'll keep calling them spoiler cat. I'm just trying to yeah. think of a way because like, it's definitely not all spoilers. No, oh, but man. it's like, it, it gets you in the, it's like the blanket where if there's spoilers, 
people have to know about it. That right. there are no, spoilers, no, no, no. So I, I, I wouldn't hide that. I would not hide that yeah. from anybody. No. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, like Chris said, our next spoiler cast is going to be on The Last of Us Part Two. Um, I, I am requesting you, Chris, um, to once you finish it, that we don't record the spoiler cast for like a week to let it set in. Um, cause I know over the course of the week following me finishing it, my opinions on the game and as a whole changed and shifted, not even just watching other people's reviews or anything, just my own internal perspective on the game changed. So I do request that you, that we take some days once you finish before we record. Um, okay. No, that's fair. And then, I, I think for what it's worth, my opinion has been the same since I finished this till now, uh, which says a lot. Like I just Final Fantasy seven is definitely a game that just hits the right way the first time, you know, like not to say anything bad about The Last of Us, but I feel like you, you know, like when it hits it, it, you just know, you know, with a game like this. Yeah, yeah you, it's you, with you, The Last of Us. And, yeah. With The Last of Us, you don't know that it hit until a few days after yeah. when you think no, back on that. everything. So, um, but yeah, so that's going to be our next one. It's going to be sometime in January, probably early January. Um, probably before but, Game of the Year. Y- yeah, probably before Game of the Year. I would say so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at this point, I'm going to be jumping into more Half-Life Alex for anyone listening. Kind of a, I guess, a, just a general update, not spoiler related to Final Fantasy. I'm going to continue playing Half-Life Alex. I'm going to restart Ghost of Tsushima because I got two hours in like a few months ago and just put it down for other games. So I'm going to restart that. And then those are going to kind of be my two that I really want to push through um, before we get to, to Game of the Year discussions. So, um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. I'm, I'm kind of focused on The Last of Us and uh, a little bit of Demon's Souls. So yep. that's where I'm at. Yep. So yeah, that this has been our spoiler cast for Final Fantasy VII Remake. Again, if if you want some some more crazy theories, check out that Easy Allies spoiler uh, spoiler mode video with Maximilian Dude. Chris, I recommend you watch it because you'll get a ton out of it. Um, but yeah, that's all, and uh, we'll be back soon. We'll see you guys then. <laughs>